We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in, but why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome to an extra edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'm Neil McCready. Today on the show, I'm joined on the Campbell Clinic Hotline by three guests as we get you ready for Saturday's showdown in Athens between number 10, Ole Miss, and number one, Georgia. First up, it's Mike Griffith of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. No one knows the SEC better than Mike. He's been on the uh, Bulldogs beat for most of the Kirby Smart era. And we stay in Athens and visit with Roddy Nubulsi, the publisher of UGASports.com, one of the best sites on the Rivals Network. Then we have our weekly visit with Barstool Sports, Ben Mintz, this time from the new Barstool offices in downtown Chicago. Please make the Oxford Exxon and Blue Sky a part of your football weekend. Uh, Stop by the Oxford Exxon on Highway 6 West in Oxford. You can fill up outside, grab some ribs and snacks inside. You can also check out their fantastic beer cooler. It's 34 degrees of sudsy goodness. I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. 662-257-1900 is the number. Clark Ford there in Amory, Mississippi. Call our friend Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's right to the bottom line. There's no hassle. There's no haggle. You get your quote, and the rest is completely up to you. You can shop that quote around, or you can do what I've done, what I recommend that you do, and that is hop into a Clark Ford today. 662-257-1900. All guests join on the Campbell Clinic hotline. The Campbell Clinic is in Oxford now, 2608 South Lamar Boulevard, Suite 102, just across the street from the cottages at Hooper Hollow. The Campbell Clinic provides full-service orthopedic care, everything from sports medicine to foot and ankle surgery to spine and total joint care to pediatric orthopedics, physical therapy, and more. To book an appointment, go to CampbellClinicOxford.com or call 901-759-3111. Walk-ins always welcome at the Campbell Clinic, Monday through Friday, 7.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. We're also presented by Twisted Tea. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea, packs a flavorful punch, 5% alcohol, no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. There's no need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. So whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, 
Twisted Tea is there to elevate game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football, your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast, I should say, to unforgettable game day experiences with Twisted Tea. The drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. Now here's Mike Griffith of the AJC on the Campbell Clinic Hotline. Mike Griffith, my longtime friend from the AJC. There's nobody more connected in SEC circles. Mike, Mike won't say that. I'll tell you that. It's, it's absolutely the truth. He should, be, he should be on the SEC network. He's on a lot. He should be one of the faces of the SEC network. Mike, uh, welcome into the show. Really appreciate your time here this morning. How are you? Good, Neil. Thanks, man. All right. Let's dive into this because uh, I find this Georgia team, this program, to just be absolutely fascinating. Um, I mean, they're doing historic stuff in an era when it feels to me, I was just working on a question. I'll set it up this way. I was working on a question on, I do a mailbag every week at rebelgrove.com. And one of the questions was basically kind of like, in, today, in, in this era of college football with, with the portal and all of that, is, there, is it more, are we going to have to recalibrate the way we look at seasons, expectations, that kind of thing? And my answer was yes, I think so. I think there's, it's going to be more NFL-like. It's going to be more parity. Um, there's going to be uh, less variance between great and good, good and mediocre, uh, just because you won a few years ago doesn't mean you'll win now. Uh, just because you win now doesn't mean you'll win in a few years. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be a little more NFL like with parity, and yet Georgia's dominating twenty five, twenty six straight wins, forty two or out of forty three, forty three out of forty four. They haven't lost at home in five seasons. It's it's incredible stuff in an era when, um, that's that's just not the norm. How do you, what has how has Kirby Smart been able to to do this and not only that but to sort of buck the trend of hey you you win big and then you drop a couple well i, I mean he has created a culture here and you know you got to give him credit for that kirby's ability to relate and motivate his players i i do think the fact that kirby's a former player and he's got street cred with these guys you know so when he gets on their ass they listen you know if kirby calls you out on the microphone you know you you might be upset but that's a guy you want to impress him because you know that Kirby has coached fantastic players, not just at Georgia. I remember he was at Nick Saban's side for four of those Alabama titles in the nine years he was there. I mean, this is a guy who's coached up the best in the NFL, frankly, and coached up Alabama's best defenses and, and helped build that team that won 26 in a row before the kick six at Auburn or excuse me, the one back-to-back titles and was on their way to a third national title before the kick six at Auburn. And then later won 26 in a row as part of a staff that, that Kiffin was on uh, in 15 and 16. Kirby left the second year, but he recruited all those guys and coached him up and turned it over to, to Jeremy there. Um, and, and so the kids know, I mean, this is a guy with credibility. I mean, if Kirby tells you you're elite, you're elite. If Kirby tells you you suck, you suck. And when you've got that sort of, I would imagine it's the same with Lane and his quarterbacks. Like, I can see Jackson Dart wants to emulate Lane Kiffin. He thinks Lane is a cool guy. And, and Lane is a, a, a cool guy. His sideline demeanor is amazing. Um, but, but Kirby is a guy that kids want to play for. They know he's connected to the NFL. So that's part one, right? I think part two is they've had some special guys. And I go back to last year, and there were two plays Brock Bowers made. 
There was this incredible juggling catch off of a Florida guy that he, it should have been an interception and instead it's a 70 yard. I mean, Stetson Bennett lived a charmed life at Georgia. Uh, you know, guys made him look really good. Now Stetson could run every now and then and extend plays, but if we're being honest, he was a very ordinary talent at quarterback in the SEC. But he was surrounded with terrific talent, and Stetson took on, um, you know, the ego and the confidence of a great. And, and you know how much that can mean. But in terms of just talent, there's a reason why Stetson Bennett had no Power Five offers. None. He was going to go play for Billy Napier at Louisiana. And he got an 11th hour call to come to George on signing day because they couldn't find anybody else to back up Jake Fromm. And then, you know, Stetson's story took off. You know, he perseveres. He impresses in practice. You know, he, he makes clutch plays, you know, yada, yada, yada. <clears throat> but while we're talking about him all of last year, because the announcers are just in love with a quarterback, they, they, they got to tell you that. And, and then you find out, well, wait a minute, this guy's not exactly the what they, okay, well, that's a whole nother story. <laughs> and, and then the MVP, oh, he was voted MVP. No, he wasn't. They never picked up the ballots in the press box. The MVP was who TV wanted for the interview. That was the story they were going to get. Was he really the most valuable player on Georgia's team? No. Jalen Carter was last year. Number 88 was an absolute wrecking ball. He was a destroyer. He was a 12th man on defense. You could not block him. You could not block him when he wanted to play. And Tennessee found that out. Hendon Hooker said, this guy knows what I had for breakfast. We're in halfway through the first quarter. He's smelling my breath. I mean, unbelievable, right? Offensively, Brock Bowers. This matrix play that he had, and I wish I would have sent you a picture so you could have put it up. And you may remember the play, you may not. But there was a fourth down play against Ohio State where he comports his body and reaches for somehow like he should be out of bounds. Like your body is not supposed to bend like this. But he reached, is in on replay, it gets overturned, and they get the first down, and they complete the comeback from two scores down. You're like, that shouldn't have happened. I mean, if that play doesn't happen, Georgia does not beat the Ohio State. They don't. The year before, he was just as impressive. He was a guy that nobody could cover. Nobody had any answers for. And it was worse than a wide receiver. Because a wide receiver is just one guy out wide. Brock can play in line and block you also. So now what do you do? Because if you go small with safety, he's going to run somebody over, and they're going to run the ball effectively. If you go big with linebacker, he's going to run away. So it was an absolute – and, oh, by the way, there was another tight end on the field who was six foot eight and 280 pounds and plays in the NFL named Darnell Washington. And he was a five-star, amazing talent who could literally collapse one side of the line with his blocking. But if you didn't – and this guy, this dancing bear, has some gloves. I mean, he could catch everything. So you had to – like, oh, my God, there's two of them. What are you, you got 6'8", 280 over 6'7", 280, whatever, you, whatever your measurement of the day was. You got this guy over here who's so big that we have to put somebody big on him, but he'll run away. So we got maybe safety help in the red zone. Then you got this guy over here, and then you got this guy in the backfield who was probably the most underrated guy. And I'm trying to think of the old Miss guy. There were three guys that had over 500 yards receiving and 800 yards rushing. And one of them was Dexter McCluster. I'm glad I'm doing this show because Ole Miss fans can appreciate Dexter McCluster. A lot of other SEs, oh, who was that? Like, no, no, you don't remember, do you? I remember Dexter McCluster. This guy was a, a jumbo David Palmer for the old Alabama fans. But this guy had juice. Still, in today's NFL, Dexter McCluster is a PPR fantasy football dream. This guy was unbelievable. He was the Percy Harvin of the SEC West. And, and so there was Percy Harvin. And there was Dexter McCluster that did this. And then there was Kenny McIntosh. This guy's really good. 
Kenny did not drop a pass in four years at Georgia. Did not. And he could run. And he carried him to victories at Missouri when Stetson was struggling. And he carried him at Kentucky when Kirby, you know, turned off the pass game the whole second half, except for one throw. I mean, you had a bona fide Marshall Falk type of back. Now, he's not Marshall Falk in the NFL yet, but stay tuned. Uh, fantasy people that do these, uh, for, what do they call when you want, you draft these guys early and you can keep them forever? It's the guy you want to keep. But they had, so they had this great running back. Yeah. You had a great running back. You had Brock Bowers. You had Darnell Washington. Uh, these three really, yeah, oh, first round, uh, first pick over there, left tackle, Broderick Jones. No, forget your pass rush. It's not happening today on the blind side. You had all these, ta- and what are they, all, what do all these guys have in common, Neil? They're not going to play Saturday, okay? They had all of these guys. Um, and it was an incredible offense. And then defensively, we talked about we talked about Jalen Carter. How about five first round draft picks off the twenty twenty one defense? Not the whole team, the defense. Five first. You had Jordan Davis, Allen Trophy winner. You had Jalen Carter. You had Devon. He had three first round picks at defensive tackle. Then you had the number one overall pick at defensive end, who by the way was a thirteen uh, all SEC guy because. He didn't put up enough sacks, and media people often will look at the numbers and go, oh, he's got the most sacks, he must be good, or he must have the most tackles. Yeah, those guys always have the most tackles at Vanderbilt and Kentucky. They're always on the field, okay? Tackle numbers are not equate to great players, uh-huh. especially on the defensive line where your job is gap assignment, force to play outside, let your linebackers clean up. So they've, they've had some really – Nolan Smith, another first-round pick on the other end. I mean, this defensive line – I always used to think and say that 93 Bama was the standard for defensive line play in SEC history. 2021 Georgia is the 85 Bears defense. Yes, they lost one game just like the 85 Bears did to the Dolphins. Bryce Young that day, and Stetson was not good. He turned the ball over. Um, but they, they were the 85 Bears of the SEC. The 2021 Bulldogs were, were really, really special. Uh, 2022 went undefeated, but I think they had a loss by two touchdowns to 2021. But the SEC wasn't as good in 2021 or 2022. And you know what, Neil? It's not as good in 2023. I agree completely. Right? I mean, I'm looking at this Georgia team that's undefeated, and I'm thinking to myself, last year, how bad would they have gotten beat by last year's Georgia or the year before's Georgia? And don't even bring up 2019 or 2020. Uh, was it 2019? 2019 LSU, yeah. 20, which to me was the best. SEC team I've ever seen. I agree. So love ramble for me. I'll bounce it back to you. Players is the answer. Kirby is the answer. Culture is the answer. But we're going to take this conversation in another direction. I got a feeling as yeah. far as what's next. So here's the this is not a knock on Georgia at all. None. Georgia doesn't make its schedule. The SEC gives Georgia a schedule. And they're in the East. And Except for Missouri, they belong. I mean, who, who belongs in the West geographically? It it, it makes you know the Georgia plays who's in the East. They don't. They didn't lay out the map years ago. There's a criticism, and I think you see it reflected in the in the CFP rankings. And when I say criticism, it's very small. It's in quotes. Sure. That, hey, they haven't really been tested. They haven't really played a good team. Maybe Missouri, who Georgia beat last week, 30-21 to 21 in Athens, is the best team they've played so far this season. Um, that's not Georgia's fault, if it's the case. They didn't make the schedule again. 
but they haven't played Alabama. They, they, they didn't play LSU. They, they haven't played Tennessee yet. They've played Missouri, and they're about to play Ole Miss. Is it possible that we, with this particular team, and I mean this with all due respect to Georgia, because I've, I've had them number one in my – I don't have, I don't have a, a poll. I don't have a vote. People like me can't have a ballot. We're way too biased. Um, <laughs> but I would have Georgia number one. I would have them number one until someone knocked them off, period. Is it possible, though, that this team has been able to hide some warts and such because it hasn't really been tested by an elite team? For sure. And and what happened with that deal is they were supposed to play at Oklahoma in the first game of a home-and-home home with Oklahoma. But when Oklahoma and Texas made the decision to join the SEC, the SEC and, and Sankey denies this. He just – for the record, Greg Sankey tells me this discussion never happened, but I have a hard time believing it. Um, so they would have played Oklahoma, which I believe is Big 12 is Fox. Is that right? Yes. Okay, so they would have played Georgia at Oklahoma. It would have been a Fox game this year. There would have been no return game with Oklahoma as a Big 12 member to the SEC. To me, that is a business imbalance. We're going to give you an SEC team for your network, but we're not going to get that Big 12 game back. So I, I think part of it was, and when Georgia does play Oklahoma, it's going to be a conference game. It's not right. the same as an even trade in a non-conference home-and-home. Now, Neil, I think that Georgia could have been more proactive and said, you know, let's play that game. And I don't know. I don't know this. Maybe these conversations happened. Georgia's got a really good AD. This is, this is another part of their magic right now. This Josh Brooks guy was actually an equipment manager. This is the guy you ought to work on your show in the offseason. I think you'd like it. Uh, he was actually an equipment manager for Nick Saban at LSU and went on to become an administrator. I think he went through one of the Louisiana schools there uh, as an administrator before he worked as Mark Rick's director of football ops, and he left. He came back, um, and now he's the AD, and, and he's, he's younger. I think he's 42, 43. But Josh, anyway, Josh is savvy. At some point, if you're Kirby Smart, look, you, you opened – Last year with Oregon, okay? You open the year before with Clemson in Charlotte, which is like their second home because they play in Charlotte every year. And that was a top – that was the number two defense in the country. Say what you want, but they hadn't lost it then. They were still Clemson. And you opened the last two years with really good mark and, and really good wins for the SEC, by the way. That's a great advertisement for the SEC. 100 Kicking everybody to the side, you know, dominate Michigan in the Orange Bowl and whatever the sixty-five to seven over you know TCU, which beat Texas last year. By the way, didn't allow many offensive touchdowns either. Go figure. So they they played some in the last couple of years. So maybe maybe you know Georgia looks at it and goes, hmm, do we really want to play that one off? Does Georgia really need to prove anything at this point? And and let's be honest, this is an Oklahoma team that was what five and seven last year. Yes. Coming in this year. Yeah. So so the game, let's let's be let's be completely honest about it. That game had lost some luster. That 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 you know, beating Oklahoma in week two this year really wouldn't have meant anything. Really now we look, oh well they beat Texas. Well, yeah, but but we wouldn't have known that then. Beating Oklahoma would have meant nothing. There was no return game. And as it turned out, and again, you heard my conspiracy theory. But the, the true theory of what played out on paper is that the SEC office wrote Georgia a letter and said, you're, you're not, you know, not going to play this game. Now, there's other conversations that made me believe there might be a little bit more. But the bottom line is, if Georgia beat Oklahoma, I, I don't know that 
the conversation would be that much different right now. I mean, Oklahoma just lost Oklahoma State. Oklahoma's got two losses. Yeah, they beat Texas. But there's questions about them. Um, as for some of the other teams, look, Auburn has been their annual opponent. That's that's You covered Auburn. That, that, that was not an easy draw these last 20 years. I mean, Gus Malzahn was pretty damn good. He beat Nick twice. And they beat Georgia when they were number one in 2017. So having Auburn as an annual opponent, I mean, I would argue that only Alabama, um, you know, LSU was kind of roller coaster. But, you know, Auburn right there with LSU in terms of, you know, annually when you think about what teams wouldn't you want to play every year, Auburn's pretty tough. And, um, you know, Cam Newton did a pretty nice job there for a minute, right? I mean, um, so, so they've had a tough crossover game. Florida, you know, has dropped off. What can you say? When they had Urban Meyer and Tim Tebow, nobody was talking about how easy the East was. Um, you know, Tennessee, when Philip Fulmer was appearing in six SEC title games in his 16 year, nobody was talking about Tennessee being an easy team. For sure. Kentucky has gotten better. I, I'm not, I, you know, I'm not one of these people that thinks Kentucky's ever going to be anything but a basketball school. But, you know, that's, that's not an easy game. They, they've become the Mississippi State of the East in the sense of, you may beat them, but you're going to feel it next week. I mean, I'll say that for the Maroon Bulldogs. I don't know. I, I don't know. I may be the only one that calls them that because I cover Georgia. But I'll say that for the Maroon Bulldogs. When you play the Maroon Bulldogs, you're you're going to feel it. I don't know what scoreboard's going to say, but those guys are going to hit you. They 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 do. They are phys, That's a physical you know program. So in Kentucky, you know, you play Kentucky, and it's it's going to be they're going to ugly it up. It's going to be a pain in the ass. It's it's no fun to go up to Kroger Field and and when it's cold or. Really, anytime. I'm not a fan of ever going up there, and I guess unless you like horses or something. But so you know, and, and, and even Vanderbilt this year. Listen, and and not just not because not because I think the Vanderbilt's anything and hasn't been since Jordan Rogers was there, but just dealing with that stadium. They they, they dressed in a tent, and 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 the Vanderbilt hurt their best player. And it, it just like oh, just what a stinky trip that was. I mean, you know, there's people that. The people that think Nashville is nice now, I feel bad for you. There was a time it really was nice. There was a time you really could navigate that city and enjoy it. Now it's like you can have it. I, I, number one, I can't afford it. Number two, I don't want to be in it for five minutes. It's, everything's turned upside down. There's cranes everywhere. And and people who aren't from the South trying to act like they're from the South. It's a terrible scene. It's Myrtle Myrtle Beach meets country music or something. I don't know. I mean, sorry, I apologize to any Myrtle Beach fans that made the in the audience. But there's just so even though you say the East is easy to listen, Shane Beamer in South Carolina. Hey, they were beating Georgia by ten points this year, Neil. Spencer Rattler is a pretty good quarterback. Yeah, no, Rattler's really on, good. Rattler's really yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and early on, they still had all their hope. And, you know, it's like the Daytona 500, everybody still thinks they can win a championship. You know, South Carolina still thought they were good then. So they were dangerous. Therefore, they were. You know, the Stetson-Bennett principle. Or, and, 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 and Rattler played fantastic, and Beamer had a great scheme, and, and, they're, and they're beating Georgia at Georgia at halftime. So, you know, you say that. And, and then they, what they do last year, they beat Tennessee and Clemson. So how easy is the East again? So my point is it's not as easy as, as it looks. And I do think a lot of the West reputation comes off of Nick Saban, you know, in Alabama. Oh, it's Nick, you know, talking about this. And Nick. I mean, look, this is where I upset your crowd for the first time. Sorry, apologies. I had this argument on Atlanta Talk Radio yesterday. All right. And, and now, I have grown into a, a Lane Kiffin fan. I like Lane on Twitter. I like talking to him at the spring meetings. I know that was outside of his comfort zone to stand there in front of 10 people and actually talk in human 
One, one million percent he hates You it. know what, Neil? He did a fantastic job. Even though I think he knows he needed to do that, you can't just be a caricature and a Twitter icon. At some point, you've got to be a real person. And Lane Kiffin showed up as a voice of reason and a real person at SEC spring meetings. And my respect for him doubled. Now, Lane's got a past, and Tennessee fans know it, and I know it, and you know, the Lexus dealership knows there, there are things that happen. Look, there are, and, and he was under one of the biggest microscopes of the under of the world. I mean, look, you've got a good looking, uh, clever football coach that the world loves. They gravitate. Let's be honest. Women love Lane Kiffin. He they absolutely adore the guy because he's funny. And, and and he's, you know, he's you know, behind the podium, he's what the coach is supposed to look like. If you were doing a college TV show, I'm casting Lane Kiffin. That's who I want. That's the movie star right there. And he's smart and funny, and his offenses are explosive, and he's really been around. You look at his resume. My gosh, he coached the Raiders. He's been with USC. He's been at Tennessee. He's done it the hard way at FAU. He's doing uh, uh, really, I think, unprecedented things, modern era unprecedented things at Ole Miss. Yeah. And so I've become this, like I said, I'm like, you know what? There's a lot of things about Lane I didn't like early in his career, but he's winning me over now. I love that he stayed at Ole Miss. I, I love that he makes Ole Miss relevant and vice versa. It's a great match. Um, it's a great brand. I, you know, I've got a hat that's like light blue and red. People are like, you know, that's an Ole Miss hat. It was like from this Onward Reserve store. And I'm like, well, let me get it. All right. The so, Mike show, everybody. I just, I just like this hat. <laughs> now it says Onward Reserve on there, okay? It doesn't say Ole Miss. Yeah. But I can't wear this without catching. Oh, you got your old mess hat on. No, I just like it. Like so, I've turned into this old. You know, I like yeah, I like old mess. But Lane hadn't really won many big games. He hadn't really beaten it. Like okay, well, what's his big win? Well, well, he beat LSU this year. Okay, well, LSU's got three losses now. Yeah, it's not as impressive as what Neil. That could change Saturday night. Are you retiring soon? How long should you wait to take Social Security? What accounts should you pull from first? These are just some of the questions that can only be answered with the personalized retirement income plan. Andrew Sego with Sego Wealth Management specializes in helping folks just like you come up with their retirement game plan. Whether you meet at his office in Collierville or prefer Zoom from anywhere, schedule a free discovery meeting and see what they can do for you at rebelsretire.com. Again, rebelsretire.com. We'll have a hand-raised guys late tomorrow afternoon. It's brought to you by Comer Heating and Air, Southern Air Conditioning and Heating. Different names, same great products and services. If you live in Oxford, Batesville, Tupelo, or the surrounding area, call Comer, 662-801-1777. If you live in Hernando, Memphis, or the surrounding area, call Southern, 662-429-4429. A-Stock is a Nashville-based online retail company. With the mission to provide customers the power to name their price. All items start at just $1. That's right. Every item starts at $1, no matter what the retail value may be. So shop now at astock.bid. That's A-S-T-O-C-K dot B-I-D or download their app and name your price on thousands of items from big name retailers. A-Stock has multiple locations around Nashville and Memphis, uh, some in Indiana and more coming soon that offer local pickups. So don't miss out. And we're brought to you by the College Corner. It's in Oxford now. There's also two locations in the Jackson area. It's the holiday season. 
Lord. It's the holiday season. It'd uh, be a great uh, gift. You can go to collegecornerstore.com or if you're coming up next weekend for the ULM game, stop by uh, the one off uh, Sisk Avenue in the Oxford Commons, 4,000 square feet of the best Rebel gear. Uh, game Changer patches are the only two-patch system available in the market to stop hangovers before they start. you got the warm-up patch, the overtime patch, uh, 20% off at GameChangerPatch.com with the promo code REBELGROVE20. And uh, we're brought to you by Pinnacle. Pinnacle based in Jackson, Mississippi. They've got clients in more than 20 states, advisors in multiple states. They provide detailed, specialized investment management, financial planning, retirement planning for individuals and businesses, and much, much more. To learn more, go to MyPinWealth.com. That's M-Y-P-I-N-N Wealth.com. Podcast is brought to you by Heavenly Sunshine. They've got Christmas on their mind, and they have holiday lights by Heavenly Sunshine. Christmas lights are beautiful. They can be a lot of work. Let them take care of the hassle and do the work for you. With their full-service installation plan, they'll install, take down, and store the lights. Commercial-grade LEDs that are 100% customizable to your home or business. They take care of the lights while you take care of the gifts. They've been serving the Mid-South and Oxford for four decades. Their full-service commercial and residential property maintenance includes power washing, soft wash roof cleaning, facade cleaning, and window cleaning. That's HeavenlySunshine.com or 662-342-1203. Podcast also brought to you by the Ullman's Athletics Foundation. Season tickets on sale for baseball. That's renewals or purchases. Still some tickets remaining for season tickets for basketball season as well. The women next at home against Oklahoma on Thursday night at 6 o'clock. Men at home against Eastern Washington on Friday. They have a big one with NC State around the corner. So get those season tickets at OleMissTix.com. Tad Pad general admission tickets still available as well. That is OleMissTix.com. And then single game football tickets for ULM next week. So no matter what you need, no matter what the sport, that's OleMissTix.com. Okay, so this is where I, I think this is interesting. Uh, my friend Parker Fleming, Stats of War on Twitter, I thought he had a great quote. Uh, he he does his computers put out these super advanced, way too complicated for me graphs, but included in them are some basic things. And boiling it down, he has Georgia winning by three and a half points on Saturday. His computers do, not him, his computers. And so someone just kind of challenged him with, hey, how? Well, it doesn't make sense. The line's 10, 11. A lot of other computer projections are 10, 11. One computer projection has Georgia winning by 24 points. I mean, there's there's a lot there. And Parker's quote that kind of struck me was, look, Georgia's good. Georgia's really good. But Georgia analytically is not the flying death machine that it has been the last two years. Right. It's It's human. You mentioned South Carolina. Uh, they were tied with Auburn, I think, in the fourth quarter. Uh, Missouri led in the third quarter last week. What would Ole Miss have to do to, A, put it into a fourth quarter game, and then, B, to win it? Well, they've trailed in five out of their six SEC games, okay? And they've given up touchdowns on the opening drive in the last three games. That, that's that's very unkirby like it's almost as if these teams study Georgia in the offseason or something, right? Of course they do. Of course right? they do. Spend a lot of time on them. And when you're number one, for, that's what happens. For two reasons, right? It's not just because you're going to play them. That's that's idiotic. It's not It's not that Lane Kiffin and company spent the summer studying Georgia because, hey, on November the 11th, baby. No, a lot of it is, hey, what are they doing? What can we emulate? What can we take? What are teams that that are having success against them doing? Because we might be able to use that against Alabama or LSU or Auburn or Arkansas or whatever. It's and so yeah, people. When you're the best, and Georgia is the best. When you're the best, people study you a lot, 
And then by studying you, they're like, hey, did you notice this? And hey, if you do this and look, they did this and you start piecing some things together. And yeah, you you have a you have a pretty effective script early in games. Think about this. This was interesting. Kirby revealed this last night. And I, I enjoy covering Kirby. I know that from the outside, he probably doesn't look like a lot of fun. He likes to argue with you. He's very combative. Uh, when I told him he was going to have 15 players drafted two years ago, he challenged me openly and said if he was wrong, I could call him a liar. I still haven't done that, by the way. But he, he likes to get combative and fight, and, and that's fine for me because I think it's I just, I just think it's funny uh, because I know what he's doing. He, he's controlling his narrative. But, but this is what he released last night. So him and Lane share information. They, they share GPS numbers. They, like, and if you're in that, like, and I know this from texting with Kirby, like, your text had better be pretty good if you're, if you're going to get one back. This, this guy has no time for fools. This guy has no time for anything that doesn't help him win or serve him in life. And, and think, who, who does? I mean, do you think the president, well, that's probably a bad example. But there's certain <laughs> people, how much time do successful people really make for distractions, okay? Yeah. Kirby doesn't make any. The fact that he's networking with Lane Kiffin, and when Kirby says he, and he said it more than once, you always say, well, coaches always say, no, I can tell the difference. Kirby really likes Lane. There really is a genuine respect. These guys sat in meetings next to one another. There's probably time, yeah, Lane's probably a pain in the ass. I'm sure Kirby didn't like the graphic of him on Saban's lap. You know, I'm sure that fired him up. But that was good for Georgia fans because a fired up Kirby Smart is a good Kirby Smart, right? If yeah. the media doesn't do it, let Lane do it. Someone's going to do it. He's going to find a lump in his oatmeal one day, one way or another. I can tell you that. Every day he's going to find a reason to have to prove something. But I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. So the fact that he networks and talks with Lane, right, an opposing SEC coach. You know who the last SEC coach was that he used to talk with like that and share information with? He's on the staff right now. His name's Will Muschamp. Uh. Do you know – what common thread Lane Kiffin could have with Will Muschamp Saturday night? Will actually beat Kirby. He's the last one to beat Kirby. He came into Sanford Stadium. Now it now it took a lot. It it took um, it took uh, their field goal kicker missing two field goals. It took Jake Fromm throwing three picks. He hadn't thrown one all year. It took South Carolina having a bye week the week before. Um, and as far as those picks, they really weren't even on Jake. It was just George's terrible receivers. Um, it took a lot. Yeah. But it happened. And 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 by the way, Eli Drinkwitz's Appalachian State team would later beat that. So that was not a good South Carolina team. They had a really good defensive tackle. I'm trying to think of his name. He's in the NFL. He's a dude. Georgia Center was out that game. The guy was a one-man wrecking crew that day. Blew their snaps up all day. But it took a lot. 20 to 17, okay? It's the only time Georgia has lost a game when allowing 20 points or less. Out of the entire time Kirby's been here. Okay, so that's a stat to think about. You know, surely Ole Miss will get 20. I mean, they didn't against Alabama. But as you said, this is a different Ole Miss team in terms of their health. And that's another thing I would point to. You know, for all the metrics and numbers, how many of those metrics and numbers include Brock Bowers in the lineup? He's only missed the last two games. How many of those metrics and numbers include Jamon Dumas-Johnson? You might say, well, that's not a household name. Well, he was one of the three Buckus Award finalists last year, and he was an All-American. And he's the quote-unquote heart and soul of their defense, and he ain't out there now. He's got hurt his forearm, broken bones in his forearm. And if he goes out there, I mean, he's, look, he's not going to be – you can't play with a broken forearm in a linebacker when you got to take on blocks. Try to tackle Quinshawn Junkins with one arm, good luck, right? So they're missing their best offensive player, 
they're missing arguably their most important defensive player. On a, on a defensive front that I just told you, they don't have Jalen Carter anymore. They don't have Nolan. So they don't have any. I look at their defensive line. I'm trying to do, they got any first rounders? None that are front line. Maybe this Michael Williams, he's got two and a half sacks this year. He was a freshman All-American, but they, they don't really have, I mean, they're still very good, Neil. They're just not, look, Missouri won the trenches last week. No, say what you want about Missouri. They're a respectable team. And that's kind of what the discussion that's gone on over here is, well, is Missouri better? Who's better, Missouri or Ole Miss? I asked that question last night at media, and, you know, people were kind of going back and forth, you know, well, Missouri or Missouri. So the consensus was Missouri's got a better defense, a better defensive front, and but Ole Miss has, you know, Lane Kiffin and, you know, Jackson Dart. Uh, yeah, I think Ole Miss is a little bit – I think Ole Miss – and I like Brady Cook, by the way uh, – I think Ole Miss is better at quarterback. I think Ole Miss is more diverse offensively. I think Missouri is better on defense than Ole Miss is. I don't. I don't think there's much question about that. The interesting thing with Ole Miss's defense, Mike, is this is Pete Golding's first year. He came in January and looked around basically and said, "No, uh-uh." And they they added twenty plus guys out of the portal on defense. I mean, they just they just cleaned house. He basically said, this just doesn't work. No. And they brought in all these pieces. And I don't know that there's, I don't know if there's a ton of NFL talent. They've got a bunch of guys who are, who are good. They've got a bunch of guys who have bought into, this is the hardest part of, of coaching. I think it's one of the interesting things. He got a bunch of guys to talk about, I mean, to, to buy into roles, playing roles, that maybe they had a bigger role at, like Isaac Ukwu had a bigger role at James Madison than he has here. But the role that he has at Ole Miss, he's he's perfected it. Um, Jared Ivey has really blossomed at defensive end, former Georgia Tech player. He's really given them um, a presence on the edge, but he's not that elite NFL pass rusher that you talk about. He's super smart, great leader. They've, they've gotten some of that. They, they, they're not very deep at linebacker. Their, their linebackers play well, but they don't have that elite SEC speed that you want at linebacker. Same thing at safety. Uh, their corners are, 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 are solid, but they're not n- – nobody's a lockdown corner, and yet Pete's kind of made it – he's made it work since LSU. LSU just obliterated them, just, just destroyed them. Um. But since then, they've been pretty solid. Now, they haven't played a team as talented on offense as Georgia. Um, and A&M had their moments in the second half, three second-half touchdowns with Max Johnson at quarterback. Um, Arkansas led in the fourth quarter. K.J. Jefferson put together a drive that um, had Lane not hitting the panic button, but hitting the, hey, we got to do some. Ole Miss on its subsequent drive, fourth and one at its own 34 against Arkansas, down three with about 10, nine, 10 minutes to go in the game. Lane Kiffin goes for it. I mean, you don't get it there, you might lose to Arkansas right there. And uh, but they got it. Went down the field, scored, got a stop, scored again, ball game. They they're they're a team that is. I think what's interesting to me when you and I, you were talking about Georgia playing twenty twenty one Georgia, I'd love to watch a game between twenty twenty one Ole Miss that ten and two team, and twenty twenty three Ole Miss. I think 2021 Ole Miss is more talented. I think 2023 Ole Miss is much tougher, much more resilient, much more uh, uh, configured together, offense and defense 
match one another, complement one another. 2021 Ole Miss was, hey, Matt Corral and, and these offensive weapons, and they're going to go score a bunch of points. And then on defense, man, I mean, maybe the maybe at some point they'll stop somebody, maybe not. And then at the end of the year when Corral was hurt, the defense stopped everybody, and offense was just trying to figure out a way to score a point here and there just to hang on and to win a game. This team has more synergy, if you will. So what does that mean against a team like Georgia on the road in that environment that I think is going to be insane Saturday night? I don't know. I, yeah, let's, I, I don't, let's, let's, talk, let's talk matchups. Let, let's talk because here's where my mind goes. I, I think Ole Miss is, is, a really, is a really difficult matchup. A really, really – and from the beginning – you know, my thought was that this wouldn't be the toughest game because I thought by now there'd be some attrition. I thought, well, Ole Miss is going to have some guys hurt by then, you know, and they're just not as deep as other teams. And so it'll be a beat up Ole Miss. And, you know, last year didn't help Lane's image anyway. They lose the last four or five games or something like five that. Five of the last six, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, it was quite a fade. They were in the top ten, and then all of a sudden they were nobody. And you're like, oh, well, that's Ole Miss. They were eight and well, one at this point last year. And then they yeah. lost every game the rest of the way. Right. Well, this, like you said, this team, this team's different though. This, this team strikes me as different. Jackson Dart strikes me as a lot more comfortable in the offense and knowledgeable about what he's doing. And uh, certainly uh, the dynamics of a coach quarterback relationship in year two. I mean, look at the difference between Stetson Bennett and 21 and 22. He was a different guy. I, like, again, I, again, I, I'm not one of these people that say build a statue, but he was damn good when he needed to be in 2022. And he played some really good football. He improved his passing game and, and all that. But getting back to this matchup, this is why I think Ole Miss has a chance. I believe they're either first or second in the SEC in, in fumble recoveries. Is that right? Where are that in turnover ratio, Neil? Check that out for me because Georgia has only forced like one fumble this year and it was that they've recovered, and that was last week. So they're not forcing a lot of turnovers. They're getting some interceptions, but they're playing a quarterback in Jackson Dart that's really good at taking care of the football. I don't think he's going to have a Brady Cook moment and throw it to the defensive tackle like Missouri did last week with the game on the line. Missouri's driving. You know, they ran three plays to get to midfield. They're coming back, and if they score a touchdown, they take a lead midway through the fourth quarter, and their quarterback gets pressured, and Brady Cook shows you why he's Brady Cook and throws it back across his body, and the defensive tackle catches it. And it's like that that was one of the, the biggest gaps I've ever seen in a bit that, that stopped Missouri from having any chance. So there you go, Eli Drinkwitz. What do you got to do to get better? You got to get a better quarterback. This kid's good. You've taken him as far as he can go, but he had a Brady Cook moment. So I'm going to go with turnover differential. It's going to be big in this game. And can Ole Miss win uh, plus two or more? And did you locate that stat there? On the- I'm looking for it. The SEC, to their credit, they give us a ton of stats. And yeah, yeah, it's like going. Yeah, I know it's like going through. Uh, you know, um, I'm, not, I'm not complaining about all the information they give us. But boy, it, it's hard. Know. It's hard to sort out. So the fact that Ole Miss takes care of the ball, number one, because Georgia does not beat themselves. Okay. That's that's the first thing you got to know. I, I know I re- refer- referenced the 2019 loss uh, to South Carolina where they did beat themselves, but they haven't since, and that's why they've won 24 in a row, which ties the school record, which was set uh, between 80 and 83 when a guy named Herschel Walker was still playing here. So they've tied their – that's about the only school record they haven't broke yet. Um, if they win, they'll break it. If they beat Ole Miss, they'll break their home uh, stadium uh, mark. So the fact that Dart takes care of the ball, one, two, that Ole Miss forces turnovers, and if they're plus two in turnover ratio, gives them a great chance. And then three, you've got to be able to run the ball. Um, You've got to be able to have some balance. And you've got a fantastic running back that can do that. This guy, Corey Schrader from Missouri, 
was was unbelievable. I mean, he went for 112 yards. I think that was the first 100-yard rusher against Georgia uh, since Kentucky's Chris Rodriguez during the uh, pandemic year of 2020. Um, I think you got to go back to Najee Harris uh, to see a game that Georgia lost uh, largely because of a run game. And, and, and is Junkins in Najee Harris's league talent-wise? I think he is. I think yeah. his freshman year, it was the most rushing yards by a freshman since Herschel Walker in the SEC, at least, in 1980. So the formula, Neil, is to get ahead, which the last three teams that have played Georgia have done, um, or it's five out of the six teams that Georgia's played in the SEC have done. Get ahead, get momentum. Uh, Pete's defense, like you said, maybe not a lot of talent, but a lot of attitude. And you can you can play reckless, and you can fly around, and you can take chances if your offense is having success. And they've got to rattle Carson back, and he's been rattled a couple times. He's settled down and and adjusted. Mike Bobo's done a good job, but if they can play with the lead and keep the hammer down, which Lane is smart enough to do, if you get a lead, you can't sit on it, especially in that stadium. Um, Lane will keep the hammer down. Lane will go for it on fourth down with the lead if he needs to. That's the formula. Pull out all the stops. And I think you said earlier this week, I heard you on a podcast say, you know, play with house money. That's what Lane Double. said. When Lane said that, I thought, you know, boy, this is interesting because I think you know, he's been, he's, and I think, by the way, for the record, I don't even think it's coach speak. I think he's right. And sometimes Lane says he doesn't do coach speak. And sometimes he'll do a little coach speak and you're like, okay, well, that was coach speak. This, this is not coach speak. He's like, kind of basically saying, look, Nobody thought we were going to be here. We're here. People are doing this biggest game in program history, and he's kind of pushed back on that. Like, well, I mean, not really, because no, look, look, if you win, it's 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 a it's a big 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 win. But here's the thing, and I, by the way, I found your stat. Uh, Ole Miss has recovered four fumbles. Uh, they are one behind the conference leader. You probably wouldn't even guess who the conference leader is in fumble recoveries. I'm gonna throw out Vanderbilt just because you gave me that clue. It's Arkansas. Arkansas has recovered a league high five. Ole Miss has recovered four. So has uh, Tennessee, Mississippi State, and Kentucky and Auburn. Georgia only has one. Georgia is one of three teams in the league joining Missouri and Texas A&M who have no fumble return yards this year. Yeah. Prom Shrimp, promshrimp.com. Seven different flavors available for you. Everything from the Owen style barbecue. They've got the uh, signature. It's one of my favorites. It's got a garlic flavor that is a great all-purpose option, whether you want to take care of some protein during the day. You can get uh, some quick lunch, great for a salad, or take care of uh, dinner at night. When kids are busy, a lot going on, Prom Shrimp can help you out, and we're going to help you out. They deliver straight to your door, fewer than 10 minutes, freezer to plate with Prom Shrimp, and you use the code RG, code RG, 25% off with Prime Shrimp. Again, that is code RG with PrimeShrimp.com. We're brought to you by John Edwards, Regency Travel Incorporated in Memphis. John's part of Virtuoso. It's a worldwide network of travel partners that allows him to supply his clients with added values, unique benefits, simply not available to other travelers. Just get in touch with him. Give him some parameters and a budget. He's going to give you options that you're going to have a hard time finding on your own. Uh, you don't have to live in or near Memphis to take advantage of his services either. It's 901-494-3387 or send him an email, Edwards at regencytravel.net. Uh, Oxford's new Greek restaurant on the square, OPA, is the perfect place to plan your Christmas party, your fabulous uh, company dinner, your festive party event, whatever the case may be. They've got great food, craft libations as well. It's a perfect place. Up to 200 guests that can accommodate. For catering or booking information, contact Jeannie at 601-421-7147. 
Brought to you by Service Specialist Staffing and Recruiting Agency. They sponsor our picks, which will be up tomorrow. Uh, they can help you with if you're, if you're searching for a job. They can help you whether you're an entry level or you're a seasoned professional. They've got opportunities across the board. If uh, your company is looking to hire quality, hard-to-find talent, they can help you as well. Payment of service solely contingent on if you decide to hire a candidate that they send. 662-832-5138 or servicespecialistltd.com. Get the beautiful and help the smile you deserve at Corinth Dental. Dr. Bubba McQueen, Dr. Jenny Beth Hendrick are devoted to restoring and enhancing the uh, natural beauty of your smile using conservative state-of-the-art procedures that will result in a beautiful, long-lasting smile from routine checkups to advanced treatment, uh, including implants and Invisalign. Corinth Dental is here to help you achieve your smile goals. So uh, schedule your appointment today. Take the first step toward a better version of yourself at CorinthDental.com. And are you a displaced corporate executive wanting to put your career in your own hands? Are you an experienced entrepreneur looking to diversify? Andy Ludicky can help. He owns multiple franchises and businesses. He uses his expertise to help others find their American dream through a very thorough and free consultation process. So call Andy, put your life and your career in your own hands, 100% free, nothing to lose. It's Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net or call him at 404-973-9901. Podcast also brought to you by Josh Snell Creamery, JossNellCreamery.com. Tailgate packages available for the ULM game next week. They feed 10, 20, or 40, depending on what you need. You pick up at Chicory Market, you tell them what day, Friday or Saturday, you'd like to pick it up. They take care of the rest. They got their charcuterie trays, their specialty cheese trays, their grazing trays, cheesecake dips, a favorite, crudite, cookies, brownies for the kids, and much more. Again, that is JohnsonHillCreamery.com. Also, uh, NE Spark, two packages, the Ignite, the 100 Mbps, or the Blaze, the one gig that powers the Clark Ford Studio, your hometown team bringing you world-class broadband. That's NESpark.com, 662-238-3159, phone service, portal controls, network security, wireless mesh extender who needs the extra help, and more. Again, that is 662-238-3159. It just, it just, haven't, you know, it just hasn't happened. You know, last week was the first one, and again, if Ole Miss takes care of the ball – uh, and moves it with some success, which I think they will. I mean, it, you know, Georgia's defense is good. I think the big thing that you can't account for in metrics or injuries or even our conversation is that culture, is that Georgia really believes they're going to win every game. And, and they play like that. They're very poised. When they get behind, there's there's no – nobody's worried. Nobody, you know, I, I haven't felt like and, – and, and just covering the team, and you know, you've you've been in a lot of press boxes and covered a lot of games and – you know, sometimes we kind of get a feel when the team's going to get beat. We, we have a sense about it when you've done it for 30 years. You know, the last time I, I watched a game and just knew they were going to get beat was probably 2019 SEC championship game. And the last time I saw them truly get – and that in that game even, Georgia had some opportunities. And Joe Burrow was just, just too much Joe Burrow. 2018 was the last time I saw somebody just go out there and thoroughly kick their ass. And, and LSU just dominated in Baton Rouge. I mean, they just wire to wire physically. Like, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Like, wow, I have never seen Georgia get beat up and pushed around like they did in Baton Rouge in 2018. Nobody knew who Joe Burrow was back then, by the way. I think he ran for four fourth downs. That dude, he's just a dude. You know, to he, me, that he's, he's, he's him, as the kids he's say. Legend. Yeah, he's, he's, you know, you give me my choice of any SEC quarterback of the 2000s, maybe ever. 
I'm taking him. He was unbelievable. Just <laughs> and he had Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. <laughs> well, that helped. And, and you know, Kirby told me that week he'd never seen a receiving group that good. And I said, wait a minute, never. You know, I mean, that was the first clue when Kirby said, I've never seen guys like, I said, well, because that's just not Kirby. Now, Kirby said about this game, this is a hell of a challenge. And Kirby has more than once talked about, like, Kirby knows what he's in for. Like, he knows this is a coach that knows his scheme. This is a quarterback that can make all the throws and has great poise and great knowledge of the system. I don't I don't think you can fool Jackson Dart. I don't think George is going to throw anything at him that he hasn't already seen. He makes good decisions. You've got receivers that can win the 50-50s. But you've got that running back, man. I mean, you've got that dog, that guy. I mean, you got a downhill guy that Georgia is going to need to swarm to. It's going to be hard to get, you know, one-on-one tag. Good luck. I mean, that and that's tough. When you've got a guy that you can hand the ball to on second and nine, you, because I remember Todd Munkin coming in here and explaining to us what creates explosive plays. And I want to say – I want to say Ole Miss has like 110 plays of 15 yards or more. They're, they're among the, the country's leader in explosive plays. And what what makes for explosive plays is when you get the defense in something called run-pass conflict. And run-pass conflict is when you're far enough ahead of the sticks where it can be a run or a pass, which would be second and five, run-pass conflict. Are they going to run or are they going to pass? We don't know. Okay, third and two. Could they are they gonna run? They're gonna pass, especially with Lane. He'll go for it on four downs, right? You start falling behind second and ten, second and twelve, third and eight. There's no run pass conflict. We know what you're doing. But when you've got the defense and run pass conflict, that's what enables you to have explosive plays. That's how you can catch them guessing wrong. Because they have to guess. We don't know what you're doing, but and there's no defense that covers everything and anything. And then at the end of the day, with a guy like Judkins, you can do everything right. And have that safety right there, and he makes a miss, or he runs over him. So <laughs> that's that's the element that Quinshawn Junkins brings. You can do everything right, and he can still make you wrong. I don't know that Georgia has a back like that. I, and they talk about Dejon Edwards, and look, he's a he's a blue collar back. He kind of gets what's there, Neil. But he's not. I don't think he's going to be starting in the NFL. I don't. Yeah. He's not DeAndre Swift. He's not Kenny Mack. And Kendall Milton was a fantastic recruit and has had some great moments. But since those pulled hamstrings in camp, I mean, he'll get he'll get you the first seven or twelve. But I don't think he's going more than thirty. He doesn't have that home run speed. So George doesn't have that back that they've had. They don't. You know, the tight end game. I mean, they got this Oscar Dub kid. He's good, but he's not Brock Bowers. They got one explosive guy that you got to worry about. And everybody in the stadium is going to know who it is. It's number 84. It's Ladd McConkey, probably the most underrated guy. Because, you know, again, we didn't talk about anybody but Stetson last year. This guy was was their best receiver last year at over 1,000 total yards. And McConkey's been that guy. Bowers went out, and Ladd has had two really big receiving games. That's one guy. Who's going to be the other guy? The guy from Mississippi State, Ra Ra Thomas, I mean – I don't know what Ole Miss people know about him, but he came here, he got in the doghouse, and it took him a minute to learn the offense. He's just now coming around, but he's a drop-off at the X. He's not as good as a Donnie Mitchell was, right? And then the other transfer they got, Dominic Lovett from Missouri. I don't know, maybe Missouri gave out faster shoes in the equipment room, but this guy has not been what I thought he would be. I'm saying, how did he have all these yards receiving against, you know, for Missouri? Because I don't see him doing that after the catch here. He's a good player. He's tough. But they've had slot guys like this before. This guy hasn't brought anything 
you know, over the top. I mean, he's been a solid transfer. But if we're going, and you brought this up earlier in the show, when we talk about how we're going to look at SEC, and this is going to really, you know, um, forgive me if you're a subscription-based, you know, recruiting site, but the transfer portal now is going to mean every bit as much, right? And you cover that too. You cover that too. But the free the free agent acquisitions now are going to mean everything that, you know, little Johnny that wore the old Miss wristbands on Friday nights, that means he's coming, okay? It's going to matter now what kind of car you put in this guy's driveway that's a junior, you know, coming out of, you know, uh, UTSA, you know, who can really play at the SEC level. You know, well, they offered him a Corvette. Well, they offered him a dealership, you know, whatever. I mean, there's this, this is a whole, like, lane, which is why Lane has brilliantly – Right. He creates a, and I don't know that he did this on purpose. He creates a platform for himself on Twitter. First of all, I don't know that he did that knowing the value of it at the time. I think he's just a smart ass who represents himself incredibly well on Twitter and, and witty and clever and timing and funny. He's just good at it. Like guys that draw cartoons, you meet him in person and you're a cartoonist and they're the most boring person in the world. But then they get in and they do the cartoons and they're hilarious and amazing. That's laying on Twitter. Right, he's yeah. amazing on Twitter. 100%. So he's huge social media. I tell you, it was a highlight. He retweeted one of my stories. I said, "Wow, I'm excited." I said, Wait a minute, am I fanboying Lane Kiffin because I got retweeted by Lane? Yes, I am. I am excited that I got retweeted by Lane Kiffin this week. I don't. I've never been excited to be retweeted by anybody. Why does this matter? I don't know because he's Twitter king, right? So he created this platform, and then brilliantly. He uses the platform and the power to just stick it to Jimbo Fisher and AM over this NIL stuff. You know, Nick, Nick has a few words and, and Nick and Jimbo, but but meanwhile, you know, Lane's just throwing the gas on the fire, man. I mean, and I'm writing it. I wrote all this stuff, you know, because I do a lot of SEC stuff. And I'm like, oh man, I said he put Jimbo in a tizzy. That was my favorite. Lane Kiffin's NIL comments put Jimbo Fisher in a tizzy. It did. Jimbo, it, I was surprised Jimbo the last lost and called him a clown and then oh. led to all that stuff. And then Jimbo wouldn't talk to him before the game last season in College Station. And this year, this year, Lane goes at midfield before the game. He comes up to Jimbo, and Jimbo suddenly is could not talk to the equipment guy more than he was talking to the equipment guy. Had his body turned in such a way, and Lane just stood there and waited and finally kind of tapped him on the shoulder. And Jimbo was like, Hey, I didn't know you were there. I'm like, Oh, you knew he was there. You yeah. knew he was there. He just, he's in his head. And then, you know, and, and afterwards, you know, Lane's like, I, I really feel like Jimbo's about to, they're on the cusp of a breakthrough. I mean, it's just, I'm like, dude, you're just, you're just <laughs> you're harassing him. Yeah. It is, it is, it is now. It, 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 but there's a point, but there's a reason for that. Yeah. There's a reason for that, Neil. It's not because he doesn't like Jimbo. It's because tech, it's the reason everybody in the SEC should be scared to death of Texas coming to the league. Because they've got resources and money that none of the SEC schools have. You, you, you put together Georgia and Alabama's grant money, and it does not equal Texas. Texas has money like nobody else in, in their oil grants. Coach Stallings used to talk about that all the time when I covered uh, Alabama back in the day. Of course, Coach Stallings was an A&M man. And he would talk about the state grants and how much more money – uh, Texas would get the A and M, and what you know, boy, Alabama, Auburn, similarly did. But but he would talk. This is scary. Texas has more money and more resources, and if they ever get anybody in there that knows what they're doing and can win with any sort of consistency, 
that program is going to take over the league with the money. If this is a money sport. Can you imagine if Saban had taken that job back when it was rumored that he was taking that job? My God, he would have won so big there. Who says Who says he won't now? I mean, who says, you know, if he goes anywhere, just a couple of years just to – I mean, I, I don't I don't rule out anything with Nick Saban, man. This guy, like you said, everybody keeps waiting for the drop-off, and it doesn't happen. I mean, maybe his idea of, of, of the last two years of fun or something, but, you know, and, and the, the whole Texas thing, you know, they turned into Texas again this year against Oklahoma and – you know, Sark, I mean, we could, you know, I don't know what to make of that. I mean, it, that's that's a tough situation. I'm, I'm not sold. I was a little surprised, though, to to see uh, Arch Manning go there. Uh, that, disappointed more than surprised just because I don't I don't think it's a good fit. I, I know the idea was he'll go somewhere that's not in the SEC. Well, guess what? You're not playing anyway, so it doesn't matter. And I don't know that you really fit that offense. And you know, where might he end up? Oh, I mean, um, I don't know. I mean, you tell me, Neil. There's all this talk that maybe the Mannings aren't high on Lane Kiffin, and that's why he's not at Ole Miss. Or Peyton didn't like Georgia, and that's why. He, and I don't really know. I mean, this guy's worth millions of dollars. He's There's people controlling his future. And let me ask you, is Arch Manning ultimately going to be a difference maker quarterback in the SEC? I don't know that either. Yeah, so Too early to say. Too early, too early to see. Seems like a really nice kid, though. Yeah. Um, but anyway, there's there's a lot of moving pieces. But getting back to Kiffin, he has been a part of college football's changes. He is at the forefront of it. Sankey embraces him. That tells you everything. Like you could tell. Like, and and I don't want to talk too much about Co- about Greg Sankey. I got a lot of respect for Greg Sankey. First and foremost, you got to know when I say this, I'm not trying to be a smart aleck, but he really is the smartest guy in the room. He sounds like the smartest guy in the room. He is the smartest guy in the room, okay? And I really do have to look at a thesaurus and a dictionary after some – I transcribe some. Like, what word did he just use there? We're talking about this at a granular level instead of a what level? You know, granular. Oh, oh, oh yeah, a small level, okay? I, you're supposed to write on an eighth-grade level, right? I'm perfect for the job. Sankey is like the professor up there, man. And I learned so much listening to him speak. But I'm not – my brain's not moving as fast as his, so I got to go back and listen and read and study my notes, right? Yeah. But he's, he's incredible. But he's got this relationship with Kiffin, right? It's almost like the teacher that knows that he can't control the creative kid in the room. So I'm going to try to get along with him. He, he tried putting him in the back of the class. That's a he tried to put him in the front of the class. He tried sending him to the office. It's nothing's changing. So let me just try to – maybe if I'm good with Kiffin, Kiffin will be good. And you know what? It's worked. I think Lane's got more respect for the league office in the league now, Neil. I do too, and 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 look, you know this. The SEC is about brands. It's about brands. It's not about teams. It's about brands. The more brands you have, the more you can market your overall brand. You can't be just Alabama and Nick Saban. He's awesome. He's the goat. He's the best. All that. Sure. You got to have more. You got to have every every week the big national game. We're about to go into this new era where you're going to go up against Fox. Going to Fox is going to make this this uh, this Saturday night game, Big Ten game. They're going to make this thing a monster. They're going to do everything they can to turn it into what NBC has done with the Sunday night NFL game. They're going to try every bit of that. And the SEC's got to be able to match that, whether it's at nighttime or in the daytime or both or whatever the case may be. And you need brands to do it. They're going to get the big hook'em brand. That's a good one. They're going to get, they got Alabama. They got big bad Georgia. They got LSU. LSU sexy. There's a reason CBS puts LSU on all the time. It's because people up north are kind of interested in LSU. They'll watch LSU. LSU's 
kind of exotic, if you exotic. Will. Yeah, that's the word. And 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 Ole Miss went from being, sir, would you uh, like a little bit of salt with your oatmeal? To this really fascinating. What what, what are they going to do next? Brand, and that's good for the league. And Kiffin's good for the league. And that's why when people do, oh, the league's trying to keep Ole Miss down. I'm like, no, they're not. No, they're not. Nope. They would love for an Ole Miss to be a big brand. Because Think about this. Think having about this. another big brand gives you another big matchup. Ole Miss versus Texas. You can make that a big game because it's Lane, Kiffin, and all this stuff. You don't want you don't want a bunch of boring brands. Boring's boring. Well, you're you're there. I mean, think think about this. So I'm watching the, the ESPN game day. They're in Tuscaloosa, Alabama for exotic LSU against legendary Alabama, Nick yeah. Saban. Yeah. And they cut into your coach. They go to they throw to Oxford, Mississippi. Used to be the softest team on everybody's schedule. A trip to Ole Miss was a good week for everybody in the 90s. Yeah. I remember the Alabama staff saying, oh, man, we're going Ole Miss. Here we go. Booster's going, $100 handshakes after. Hey, man, Ole Miss, this is easy peasy. You're cutting away now to talk to the old Miss coach, Lane Kiffin. And he's got, you know, he's got the Hollywood, you know, look going here, right? That If that's anybody else, old Miss, that ain't happening. No. Nobody else is bringing those cameras to Oxford, Mississippi. It ain't happening. It ain't happening. Lane Kiffin keeps old Miss, not just because of the personality, not just because of the Twitter. You got to back it up. But this guy's showing you. He can back it up. He can coach these quarter. You got a quarterback there not playing. He'll probably start at half the other schools in the league. He's bringing some talent in. You brought in this Pete Golding. He's got something to prove. And and his guys play with a flair and an attitude. You know, I don't know who the marketing team is there and what they're doing with these almost colors. They're unbelievable. These uniform combinations, these speckles. This is incredible. This is beautiful. Like, this is one of the best uniforms you know, put it right there with, you know, all-time great uniforms. Old Miss has got it going. Like, the marketing, the branding, you know, Kiffin, you know, the Twitter. So is there a little, yeah, okay, there's probably a little baggage here and there with Lane. And there's probably some questions of sustainability. Do you really have the money? I don't know. But but maybe one of your graduates, uh, you know, becomes a CEO of Dish Networkers. You got to find somebody to fund this thing. Somebody's got to write the checks. But at least you have – think about this. If you're at Ole Miss, it's got to be a lot easier to write the checks for Lane Kiffin and his staff than Florida. No doubt. That, that's trying to convince their people, Billy Napier's really the guy. No keep, doubt. Keep that, you know, people in Florida are like, wait, wait, I, I don't know about this. I want the Gators to win, but is this really the guy? Do I really want to get invested in this coach? You know, I think they have the number three recruiting class right now. Do I think they're going to finish with that? No, because these kids are signing up for, do you really want to invest in Billy Nate? I don't think you do. But Lane Kiffin, you know what you're going to get. You, 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 it's become a proven. And so that's why this game has the potential potential to be the biggest because if, they, if Kiffin gets this signature win – well, now it's a lot easier to invest. Now it's there's no – you just beat the number one team. You can beat oh, anybody. Oh, absolutely. His, the, the, they've done a phenomenal job of NIL here. And I, I give Kiffin – they gave a lot of people credit. But you got to give Kiffin the credit. Because Kiffin, unlike a lot of coaches who are afraid to sort of challenge the fans, 
challenge the boosters, challenge them out about the fans there not showing up, right? Well, and he did it last year when this Auburn thing got started because it got started early. It was, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you a story. It was uh, Monday press conference day. Ole Miss was getting ready to play. I don't know somebody, and I get a text from one of the media relations people. Hey, did Auburn just fire Harson? And I went, yeah. Lane comes in three minutes later, knowing someone, probably me, is going to ask about Auburn. And I did it in an innocuous way, like, hey, your name's going to start coming up. When your name comes up for these jobs that start coming open, how do you handle that? And he's like, well, I don't. We don't talk about it, blah, blah, blah. But he knew that question was coming, right? I mean, I didn't tell him it was coming, but he knew it was coming. They were smart enough to know, oh, this is happening, and boom, here's it goes. And almost immediately, he switches into, hey, look, you know, w- w- to do this the way y- y- we want to win, we've got to have more. This is, we, you know, and he started telling people, you know, I need $7 million in NIL a year. And Ole Miss immediately goes over $10 million. They get to like $11, $12 million. And, and so, yeah, look, a win over Georgia. And I, look, I don't, think, I don't think this doesn't happen if they lose to Georgia because everybody loses to Georgia. But yeah, a win over Georgia is a game changer for them. It's a it's a total. It means more to the program than it does to the team. Because what I was getting at a little while ago, and we got off on a tangent that the listeners probably really enjoyed. A win over Georgia doesn't guarantee a spot in the CFP for Ole Miss. They still got to have help. They're number nine right now. If they beat Georgia and then assuming a win over ULM and a win over Mississippi State, they're still not getting to Atlanta unless Alabama loses to both Kentucky and Auburn. I guess it could happen. I'm not betting on it. So you're not, you know, you're not getting to Atlanta. So you're not going to be a conference champ, right? There's only four spots. Well, you know, you can, I can easily draw a scenario where the winner of Oregon, Washington, one loss, wins the Pac-12, they get in. Florida State runs the table, wins the ACC title, they get in. I don't know who's who in the ACC is beating them. I'm, I'm sure someone can, but they look like the best team. Uh, Michigan, Ohio State, one of them's undefeated, wins the Big Ten, champs. Uh, then the SEC championship plays. You got Alabama with one loss. You'd have in this scenario Georgia with one loss. The winners, twelve and one conference champion. They're probably getting in over eleven and one Ole Miss because the the committee has said, "Hey, championships matter." And that's before we even mention Texas. Let's say Texas runs the table somehow, some way, wins the Big Twelve. They beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa. That one loss, Texas is in. So you could very easily be eleven and one Ole Miss and not make the playoff. So you, you can't be, go, hey, this is the biggest thing ever. One, you could be 11-1 Georgia and not make the playoff. 100%. Because if you lose to Alabama in the SEC championship game, even, let's just say it's a two-loss Bama. Let's say Auburn beats Bama. It's a two-loss Bama that beats Georgia, and Georgia has one loss. And Texas finishes with one loss. Texas beat Alabama. Yeah. Texas beat the SEC champion yeah. in this scenario. Oh, that's the scenario, Mike, where no SEC team gets in. There's no question about it. It's right there. Well, and, and last night, that, that's what, you know, there was an Alabama. I thought it was a fan. I'm sure it was a media member, but it sounded like a fan. <laughs> Do you want to explain why Alabama is still at number eight after beating LSU? Well, you're right. It was an oversight because only Alabama exists, sir. No, that's not the answer. The answer is because Oregon is kicking everybody's tail. Yeah. And Texas beat you head to head. So Texas, Alabama is pinned behind. One lost text. I asked, I asked earlier in the conference about transitive properties. How long does that Texas win stand up? They've even changed quarterbacks now. But but this quarterback that just played looked really good. So if you're Alabama and you're number eight 
That's got, like this is not this is unfamiliar turf to Alabama. Wait a minute. What do you mean we're not the highest ranked one loss team? What do you mean there's two one loss teams ranked ahead of Alabama? Well, one of them's Texas. They beat you in your stadium, and we can talk all day about how great Nick Saban is, Neil. But he blew it earlier this year. He did a terrible job getting his quarterback ready. Terrible job. Tommy Reese did an awful job with that. They're winning in spite of him, I still think. So you were one loss Bama at number eight. You're behind a one loss Texas. And the committee's telling you that one loss Oregon is better than you. That's scary because that means if Oregon wins the Pac-12 and, and chalk holds and you're one loss, ban- now maybe if Georgia beats an undefeated Alabama, Alabama needs to be rooting for Georgia to beat Ole Miss. They need, an unde- they need to play an undefeated Georgia in the SEC championship game yeah. to give them that rocket fuel they would need to leap over other one loss. And we've seen it happen. I'm not saying yeah. it can. Yeah. But and, and conversely, Tennessee – is rooting more for and what a curious and strange relationship Tennessee and Lane Kiffin. You could do a whole book on that. I mean, the the relationship between Lane it's like a bad marriage, it, it or maybe a good marriage, or maybe both. I don't know, but it's a Hollywood marriage. I mean, it, they love each other, they hate each other. I was there for it. I, I had a front row seat, and there's still people. Lane is still the most polarizing figure in Knoxville, Tennessee history, and he always will be. There was there was a, a guy that wanted to lane like that wanted to name like a sewer plan after him after he left. That that's a very true story. That actually is a true story. The Lane Kiffin sewage plan. They wanted to name it that. And then there's 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 still people. There's still guys that even though he left him under a three year cloud of investigation, part of that because of the way the NCAA operated, as much yeah. as thing you know Lane may or may not have known about recruits and. Hostess is going to games away from camp. He may or may not have known about that, right? Some people might call that a lack of institutional control. The NCAA called it a violation for Bruce Pearl. Uh, but it, I, I digress. Uh, Lane, they're infatuated with the guy. And then, of course, the game that occurred there a couple of years ago, that'll never go away. Crazy. That'll always be one of the, the memories, whether you think it's great or bad or worse. Or and Lane, one hand in the bottom. I mean, there's been so many moments. But now Tennessee – is on their knees praying for Lane Kiffin to beat Georgia because if the Vols beat Missouri and Lane Kiffin beats Georgia, that means that Tennessee can beat Georgia to go to the SEC championship game. They will be in control of their destiny. Their dreams will be answered. Georgia's coming to their place with the SEC East on the line if Lane can beat Georgia and Tennessee can beat Eli Drinkowitz. And I don't know if there's three syllables in his name or not. Drink wits, drink wits. I kind of like drink a wits better, better right now. Yeah. I, but so this, this, this game, I know I've, I've, I've sold John Old Miss's ability to get this upset. I know you know how much, how impressed I am with Lane Kiffin and Old I love the marriage, the brand. It's fantastic. Steve Spurrier will never be back. This is the closest thing we're going to get. Some people might say it's a little watered down, but it's still fun like Spurrier. He hasn't won like Spurrier, but he's fun like Spurrier. But I'll say this. Kirby Smart is chiseled on that Mount Rushmore now of SEC coaches, Neil. And, no. and when I started covering this program, he wasn't there. And I've watched Kirby grow as a coach, and I've seen him put – this is the best staff I've ever covered. Will Muschamp is, is a fantastic defensive coach. Mike Bobo is a fantastic offensive coordinator. This staff is so in tune with another. They adjust so quickly. And Lane's going to know that. Lane's going to know that what works in the first half isn't good. Lane at least has the knowledge to combat that and say, guys, they're, they've got more. They're coming at more. What you just saw in that opening drive, 
that they don't buy into that. There's more coming. They're going to adjust. When he goes in at halftime, he's not going to go, well, this is working. Let's keep it working. He's going to go, no, they're going to have answers for this. We've got to flip it to three and four. These guys, the three-dimensional chess that's going to be going on Saturday night is going to be unbelievable. And the coaches, I think, are going to – I think I, I give Georgia a slight advantage, but only a slight advantage because Lane has a working knowledge of their system. This is going to come down to the players. This is going to come down to Jackson Dart and Carson Beck and which quarterback handles the moment better. This is going to come down to Quinshawn Junkins and Lad McConkey and which skill position player makes the bigger plays. This is going to come down to, to your quote-unquote no-name defense, which Georgia started with three years ago. They were the no-name defense versus a guy like Javon Bullard back there who's a future NFL star safety uh, versus Smile Munden, who's probably the most underappreciated linebacker, maybe the only guy on the field that can take Judkins down one-on-one -on -one in the flats. This is going to come down to who executes and who turns it over. Um, it's that even. I, I throw all the metrics out because I watched Georgia and Missouri last week, and if they didn't have their uniforms on, you wouldn't have known who was Georgia and who was Missouri because it was that equal. It really was, and it came down to who played better and who coached better. And I've been on this rampage trying to get Kirby Smart some credit, not because I cover him, right, because I've had plenty of opportunities and times when I've gotten sideways with Kirby. But he's done an unbelievable job coaching this team. A lot of what you're seeing is coaching. He has done an unbelievable job coaching. You say, well, they got all these four and five stars. Yeah, but they got nothing out of the portal. They got nothing like you got out of the portal. And their quarterback back, is he good? Yeah, but is he really better than Jackson Dart? At this stage of his career, he certainly doesn't have Jackson's mobility. He's a bit of a statue back there. He's got NFL arm talent, but how many NFL receivers has he got to throw to? So, you know, there's a lot of moving pieces. And, um, gosh, I can't believe we went this long. But this always happens when we do our shows together, Neil. We, we keep we're still, we're still on the air. We haven't been unplugged or censored yet, so we must, we must do okay. I appreciate your time so much. You are uh, you're fantastic. You're, you're really fun. I can already I can already hear the emails and texts and stuff coming my way about get him back on, get him back on. So I, I really really appreciate it. Enjoy the game Saturday night. I look forward to reading your coverage, and um, you're you're terrific at what you do. So thanks so much for your time. Well, you, Neil, I've enjoyed the friendship, man. You tell it like it is, and I've got a lot of respect for that. And all the Georgia fans. When you came on our Dog Nation podcast earlier this week, man, there's I'm still getting compliments. And the way you tell the story of Old Miss is better than anyone. And you can put it in the right perspective because of all your years in the SEC and the other teams you've, you've covered. I know it's not always popular, but I appreciate you always telling the truth and giving an unfiltered take. So thanks for having me on. And uh, this, uh, this is going to be a great game Saturday night, man. Thanks, so, buddy. Talk to you soon. Right. Be in touch. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? 
You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Roddy Nabulsi covers Georgia. He's actually the publisher of UGASports.com, part of the Rivals Network. It's one of my favorite sites on the network. You guys have probably, by the time you see this, you've seen some of the uh, crossover that we have. Anthony Dasher and I exchanged questions and answers. Anthony's answers were much more in-depth than mine, and I immediately felt guilty. Roddy, uh, kind enough to spend some time with us here on the podcast. How are you, sir? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me, Neil. So let's dive into Georgia. This is fun. It's an interesting thing because I think these two schools are kind of a lot alike. They both sort of party the same way. Uh, they Ole Miss people love going to Athens. It's the first time to go there since 2013, 2012. Uh, the last time, long time. The last time Ole Miss played at Georgia. I went over on a Thursday. It was 2013. It was the, the the Thunder had just traded James Harden. They were opening the regular season against the San Antonio Spurs on a Thursday night with without James Harden. And on Friday, I sat down with Beverly Kimdiche at a Barnes and Noble or a Books a Million, one or the other, yeah. somewhere in Gwinnett County. And we were doing a big story about uh, her son Denzel, who at the time was a linebacker for Ole Miss. And her other son, Robert, who at the time was the top-ranked high school prospect in the country. And I anticipated it just being sort of a visit that would lead to a story. And I walked out of there and immediately went back to my hotel and transcribed and wrote because she basically told me that Robert was going to be going to Ole Miss. That's how how long it's been since Ole Miss has played in... I think uh, that game was freezing, if I'm not mistaken. What's that? I think that game was really cold, too, if I recall. Yeah. Seems like it was, yeah. It was it was November. Yeah, it was, I think it was a pretty miserable game. Got down on the sideline. I think I froze my tail off. But yeah, the Kandichis were great. Uh, we started covering uh, Robert in uh, going into eighth grade. He was he was a giant. It's like, wait a minute, you still got a year of middle school to go. <laughs> like, we, we, we actually ran into him at a gym. We were there to see other kids. We're like, uh, who's that? They're like, well, let me tell you about this kid. His older brother's uh, already a starter at Grayson or wherever he was starting as a 10th grader. I'm like, uh, this kid's going to be pretty pretty good. So uh, a great family and a, a great storyline. Georgia really tried hard to get him, and Georgia tried hard to get a lot of Ole Miss kids, but uh, they haven't had success. A lot of kids want to go play for uh, Lane Kiffin right now. Well, Georgia's having a lot of success on the field, Roddy. I'm sure you've noticed. Uh, they, they haven't lost in a while. They What is it, 42? Two and one in the last forty-three or forty-three and one, something like that. Twenty-six in a row. It's an incredible statistic. What has it been like uh, covering this? It has been fun. I mean, I started covering Georgia in nineteen ninety-three as a student photographer, uh, working for the Red and Black, the uh, local uh, newspaper, and then I started working for the Athletic Association for years. I was a team photographer for years, so I've kind of seen it, and I've just seen the. Absolute heartbreak that Georgia fans have gone through. The prayer in Jordan Hare, second 26 against Alabama. I, just, I, mean, I went through the Downing years and the uh, Coach Rick years where Georgia was always close but never the, you know, never on top. Just And, again, sometimes it hurts worse to be so close and to have it ripped out of 
away from me at the last second. And I just watched uh, Georgia fans just, I mean, I'm in the media. I can't be partial, but you feel sympathy for the fans that just had it taken away for years and years and years. And, and there was a four-letter word, well, a four-number word that uh, was just a derogatory statement to any Georgia fan. If you were ever in an argument with a Georgia fan, you could just go, 1980. And they would just lose their minds. You know, it was the... Uh, it was, it was a slur because it didn't matter that you had beaten Kentucky seven times in a row. All Kentucky had to say was, hey, 1980. And you're like, what the hell? You know, or uh, Georgia, even Georgia Tech. Lowly Georgia Tech had lowered over them because they'd won one in 1990, a, a co-championship in like Colorado. And you know, Florida had won some. Clemson had won them. Uh, Tennessee had won some. So Auburn with Cam Newton, everybody could point to a championship but Georgia, and it drove them nuts. So when they finally won it, and just from a journalistic standpoint, to see them win it in Indianapolis, you know, with a uh, Keely Ringo pick six, the catharsis, the outpouring of emotion for a fan base that had been started to a championship for 40 years, that felt like they should have one every few years. Call it entitlement, I don't, I don't know. But again, they were close. You know, and then there was one year where their vote, they're basically not, they're, undefeated but they don't get into the final two in the bcs you know uh in other words just always inches close and there's always the what if factor so when they finally won it that was huge the last year they weren't expected to win it and they did it again and they go 15 and 0 even though they lost 15 guys to the nfl and 13 guys to the portal you're like what the hell's going on in athens this is one two and then i am a very pessimistic person when i do my picks but i was looking at the schedule this year and i'm like i don't george is going to be favored in all these games even though they lost another 10 guys to the NFL and another uh, 14 or so to the portal. I'm like, this is the the best part, I guess, for what we do with rivals is the recruiting. George has been on such a roll of recruiting for so long under Kirby Smart. It literally is plug and play because you can lose. And this is the most beat up Kirby, most beat up Kirby Smart team ever in his eight years. They're still undefeated. They shouldn't be with as many, as many injured starters as they've had out. So it's uh, been a very wild ride to know that even when we break the story about a guy being out and then everyone goes, well, who's going to back him up? And we talk about him and that guy's like a four or five star or a, you know, a highly coveted three star that Kirby's got into a backup role. It's just, it's a machine and I've never covered a machine. I covered the highs and lows, the roller coaster of the Ricked years and the Don and years, but to watch this team just, uh, rebuild year after year and be favored year after year it is uh it is surreal i tell people all the time you're living in the golden age of georgia football it'll never be like this again so enjoy it yeah these are the good old days absolutely yeah, exactly <laughs> hey and they might end saturday or, you know you never know so just uh don't don't uh, lament only beating this team by 10 points don't complain about that because there's uh you know 98 other teams in uh, college football right now that would trade places with you to have the record that you have so I have a friend, Parker Fleming, Stats of War on Twitter. Parker's a redheaded uh, TCU fan, a computer geek, lives out in the West someplace, Wyoming, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, he puts out computer models really broken down in depth, more depth than I'm. My, my measly head can't quite wrap. <laughs> I can't really wrap my cerebrum around a lot of his numbers. But I look at the bottom lines and look at some of the things that he says. And Parker says that uh, – Georgia's got about a 60% chance of winning on Saturday. He's got Georgia winning by like 3.7 points or something along those lines. And he goes into the reasons why his computers, it's not Parker, it's his computers, 
right. um, like Ole Miss's chances to have a shot. And he basically says, you use the word machine, and that's what uh, triggered the question. He says, look, Georgia's really good, really good. But they're not the flying death machine that they were the last couple of years. That they're they're a little, they're a little more susceptible. I'm curious. You've seen this Georgia team nine times so far this season, and you saw the last couple of years. How is this team different from the one that rolled through college football the last couple? Podcast brought to you in part by G and M Pharmacy there in Oxford on South Lamar, or Tyson Drugs on the Square in Holly Springs. Reminder that they. Um, have their full line of flu vaccines available right now, including the high-dose flu shot for patients over 65. Most clinics typically give standard dose to all patients, so they highly recommend for 65 and older patients to get a high-dose flu shot. They also have the RSV vaccine for those who need that, and it's by appointment, which lets you get out in and out super easy. Give them a call to schedule, and they'll get you uh, set up there. That is 662-236-2222 for Oxford or 662-252-2321 for Holly Springs. Southern Traditions Farm is a 68-acre, 32-stall, upscale equestrian training and boarding facility in Canton, Mississippi. Two sand rings, a grass ring, miles of wooded trails. So much offered at Southern Traditions, including horseback riding offerings from beginner lessons with trainer Susan Walt to buying your first horse and competing at nationally recognized competitions. It's also a great venue for events, corporate outings, so get in touch with them on Facebook or Instagram at Southern Traditions Farm. I'll be taping with Pete Deweese tonight for Pete's Pigskin Preview. It's brought to you by Riverland Roofing. Would you like some peace of mind knowing that your roof is taken care of? Whether you need an inspection, a new roof, or a maintenance program, Riverland Roofing has you covered, home or business. As a GAF Master Elite contractor, they can offer warranties that last a lifetime. Licensed and insured, Riverland services Mississippi and its surrounding states. So text or call Riverland today at 662-644-4297. Are you ready for the ultimate college experience? Welcome to College Town Oxford, your new home away from home. They know you want the best. That's exactly what they offer. No more long commutes or missing out on campus events at Ole Miss. It's right next door to the campus with two, three, four, and five-bedroom cottages, each with individual leases because they believe in flexibility and simplicity. Their incredible amenities will make you feel like you're living in a resort. So don't break up the gang. Instead, grab your friends, pick out your favorite floor plan, and reserve it today at collegetownoxford.com. Collegetown Oxford, this must be the place. Text their VIP list today to be the first to know when their leasing for fall 2024 is open. 662-300-3733. They're not as good. I mean, hands down. They're, they're still one of the best teams in college football. I don't think anybody's, maybe Michigan, but then again, it's easy to be good when you know what the plays are, but I'd be, I'd be facetious there. Uh, no, Michigan's really Might good. You're right, though. I mean, who knows? But my point is, uh, is Carson Beck better than Stetson Bennett? Uh, it's, he's had every game he's thrown for 250 yards in his first year. I don't know that anybody in the SEC has ever done that. So it's uh, it's pretty impressive that he's been out there. And, of course, they got a freshman kicker who's been pretty good. You lose by Leslie. But my point is, uh, you don't have the defensive front that they had. You know, when you have Jalen Carter, who I thought was the best player in college football last year. I mean, you see what he's doing. He should have been the number one pick. And I'm not saying that because I covered Georgia. It's just because I was at the NFL Combine and I spoke to people and they were all they all wanted him. Um, he's absolutely killing it for the Eagles. He, he's a monster. And prior to that, you had, uh, you know, uh, three guys on the defensive front who all won the first round. You know, this is you don't have any first round defensive talent in the trenches right now. 
you know, maybe Michael Williams in a year or two, but you just don't have a guy who go to the SEC championship game last year. Georgia needed to play. Jalen Carter goes through, grabs up Jaden, uh, quarterback for LSU, uh, Jaden, and just holds him up like a child. Yeah. Just doesn't sack him, just picks him up off the ground and they blow the whistle and he sits there and holds him for a second. Like you, you just picked up Jaden Daniels like he's an eight year old. What, what, who does that? Uh, they don't have that guy. You know, they have a better secondary than they did, but um, uh, you don't, you had two Buckus Award winning middle linebackers, you know, and Kobe Dean and um, uh, Roquan Smith. You, you don't have a, uh, you have a guy that's about Monday who's really good, and uh, Dumas Johnson, who's actually out for this game. Uh, they're really good, but are they going to win the Buckus Award? Probably not. Uh, will they be drafted high? Yeah, but I don't know that they'll go in the first round. My point is, really, really good, but not generational. And that's what we saw the last two years, especially that you know two years ago. That team, uh, all those guys were drafted, just about every one of them. Um, even some guys who weren't starters got drafted highly, you know, like uh, Quay Walker. So my point is, this team offensively, defensively, it's not as good. They're not as good, but they're still beating everybody because they're still really good. So it's a uh, so they're susceptible. They they trailed fourteen to three against South Carolina. South Carolina's not a great football team. They trailed at Auburn. You know, Florida drove the field in the first uh, drive and made it look like you know they they'd forgotten to get on the bus. So uh, teams can get up to them, and they had to fight against Missouri. They they had it on them, and they haven't played a team as good as Ole Miss yet. So this team is not as good as they were the last two years, but they're still better than you know ninety five percent of the teams they face. They're also really resilient. I think that's the credit to them is that. You know, it would be so easy to get bored, to get complacent. To, and then when you face some adversity. You start chasing little stats for your own instead of being uh, be a little selfish. Yeah, because it'd be super simple to go at the end of the day. Hey, we won two titles, man. I mean, yeah. we, you know, I mean, we did it. I mean, what are you going to do? Are you going to criticize us because we lost to Missouri? I mean, shut up. We're, you know, and they instead they've been really resilient. And it almost looks to me from the outside looking in that when they get cornered a little bit is when they really get dangerous and they kind of dial in and play their best football when it matters the most. Yeah, I think it was maybe Cole Kublik or somebody said that uh, this team can get – this is a, a bored Georgia football team. And when they play a UAB, you know, or they play a team that's a Vandy, they, they just don't try that hard. And those teams take advantage of it because those teams, it would make their season, anybody's season. You know, if Ole Miss wins this game, it's their best win since when? Uh, it's it's a modern era best win. It's yeah, their, okay. it's their it's their best win. To answer your question, I mean, the only ones that would immediately come to mind as in that same category would be. I, I give you some examples. Uh, it would be in this era, and I think it's even a bigger win because of where Georgia is today. It would be uh, winning at Alabama in twenty fifteen. Right. It was a big win. Uh, beating Alabama in Oxford, the Katy Perry game, 2014, where the, the goalpost made it all the way to Funkies, and, and so did so did Katy Perry. Yeah. Uh, it'd be 2008, uh, beating Tim Tebow in Florida in the Swamp. Right. But, but here's the difference. That win, like, let's take it for example. Yeah, they went to Florida and beat Tebow. It was the week after they lost at home to Vanderbilt and the week before they lost at home to South Carolina. So – yeah, it was a big win. It was like college football. It was really cool. But it didn't mean a whole hell of a lot, really, in the whole scheme of things. 
Uh, the win over Alabama in 2014 was a, a, an arrival moment. It felt like the beginning of something. Turns out it wasn't, but it felt like it was. 2015 set them up to have a really special season, but they didn't get it done. Look, if they beat Georgia on Saturday, and for the record, I don't think they're going to quite get there. We'll talk about that in a minute. They're eleven to one at that point. Yeah, I mean, realistically, you beat ULM, you beat Mississippi State, you're eleven and one, and they're spending the next three weeks talking about whether they're going to make it into the playoff or not. And statistically, they wouldn't have a great chance, but they'd have a chance. They'd have enough of a chance to justify the conversation, and they would cheer for some chaos the rest of the way. It would be a monumentally big, big, big win, and it would put them on the map, and it would make them a giant part of the national conversation at a minimum, and that's going to help them in the portal, and that's going to help them in recruiting. No, it would be a program-defining win, no doubt. Absolutely. It'd be one of the biggest wins, you know, Lane Kiffin's career. And you can say, look, uh, come here. We were able to knock off the two-time defending champ that had won, you know, 26 games in a row. So that's what we can do. And we did it on the road. We did it at their house. That would be phenomenal. Now, here's the thing. When Georgia, you get Georgia's attention like that, like Florida did, they go out and they turn into world beaters. You know, they, they, they're no longer bored is my point. And they come out and they play pretty tough. Now, people say, well, how do they, how do they, you avoid that complacency? You know, well, how do you, like you said, just, uh, hey, we lost Missouri. What are you complaining about? We won you two titles. Well, the guys that are doing it, well, all the guys that won that first title, and people say, well, the, the, this Georgia team will be complacent in year two, you know, in, in 2022. And I remember asking those guys, I'm like, well, what, what gets you fired up? They said, well, I mean, after winning a title, why not just kind of cruise a little bit? And they said, I didn't win a title. I did. I already played in that championship game. All the guys that played got drafted. This is my chance to make a name for myself. And I want to win it, you know. I, I backed up, you know, Broderick Jones. I backed up, you know, Stetson Bennett. I, bra- I backed up George uh, Pickens. So, I want, I want, you know, I want my time to shine. And that's what you're seeing in this attempt for a third championship is Carson Beck's like, look, I waited at Georgia for four years before I could get out there, you know, or Three years. I want my shot. I want to do what uh, Stetson Bennett did. Uh, you know, you get a left tackle who's a true fr- well, not a true freshman. He didn't play at all last year because he had a back surgery. So this is his freshman year. And he's like, you know, it doesn't matter that I'm you know, taking over for Broderick Jones. Uh, Broderick, I mean, yeah, I got a, a ring last year. I didn't even play in one game. So this is my first time. So he comes out and plays because he's trying to make it to the NFL and he wants to play for Georgia and he wants to win a title this year. And he wants to be in that championship parade. Uh, in that you know first, second, third car as the starting left tackle, even though he's a redshirt freshman, because he didn't do it. So what you're seeing is the guys who did not get the shine last year, who who weren't in the spotlight, they're just as fired up to try to beat everybody as the guys who did win it last year. So it's a it's a new crop when you have such amazing turnover with so many guys going to the NFL and a lot of guys going to the portal. I mean, you look around the SEC, you see. Uh, and Jermaine Burton's at uh, Alabama. You see A.D. Uh, Mitchell playing for Texas. You know, uh, Major Burns at LSU. I mean, there's a ton of guys up there. Uh, Tresman Marshall uh, at uh, Alabama. There's a lot of Georgia guys playing elsewhere in the league. So it's a huge amount of turnover, and those new guys are just as fired up to win games like this. Now, again, not as good, but they're still better than most. You know, I asked Lane Kiffin, it was interesting because he has a pretty interesting perspective on these dynasties because he's been a part of two of them. Uh, He was at Southern Cal on Pete Carroll's staff when Reggie Bush and Matt Leinert and all those guys 
won 30 some odd games in a row and uh, had they had they just been able to tackle Vince Young three titles in a row yeah. um, you know uh, and and then it was funny when I asked him that he immediately brought up Vince Young I mean you can coaches are so funny they remember the losses by uh, far yeah and then he was with Nick Saban he and Kirby Smart both were on Nick Saban's staff in the mid 2010s that when they just dominated and they won 26 in a row and a um, couple of championships and and all of that and you know and I asked him you've been there how do you avoid the complacency how do you avoid the boredom and he said oh it's simple it's a simple answer he said it's it's elite coaching is what's required and he said you you had that with Pete Carroll and you obviously have that with Coach Saban and he goes and now you have it with Kirby I mean it, it, yeah. and people expect Lane to do a lot of trash talking. He, he he doesn't. He's not a big trash talker. Now he did it with Jimbo, uh, but but that's that's about it. Um, he has immense respect, and I think he's right. And you're there. I mean, it's it's this is about Kirby and his staff as much as it's about anything. It's that relentless recruiting and yeah. their ability to maintain. And Lane was talking about how you have to do it daily. It's it's not something that happens. Oh, yeah. It's there's it's, no pregame speech that leads up to this and make them go out and play like their hairs on fire. That, that just it doesn't happen that way. It's you every day you have to fight the complacency. And he said, obviously, they've, they've been able to do it for an extended period of time. And it's a compliment to them. Yeah, I, I tell people this all the time because I, on Twitter, I'll be like, I can't believe Kirby did this. And it looks amazing. And they'll say, well, you're a homer. I'm like, no, objectively, what he's doing is nuts. And I, I use this story a lot. Uh, kind of broke the news. I think it was last year sometime during fall camp. Week two, we find out the team's going to the movies on a Friday night. I'm like, oh, that's a nice treat. They've had two weeks of camp. I guess the they don't have the traditional two-a-days like they used to, but they have the, the tougher part of camp. You know, when they break for camp, the students arrive, and then it's basically just fall practice. So they get to go to the movies. That wasn't a treat. That wasn't a reward for hard practices. They were practicing going to the movies, Neil. Like, here's how we go. When we go to an away game, Okay, we're going to check into our hotel at 7 o'clock. We're going to meet downstairs in the lobby. All the, these guys get on bus A. All these guys get on bus B. All these guys get on bus C. We go in the theater. You get your snacks or whatever. You don't get loud. You know, everyone, you put your phones away. You watch the movie. When we're done, you don't go into the next theater over and watch the end of another movie. We all get back on the bus. We all go back to the hotel. They practiced going to the movies. That is the Kirby Smart way. He's just, he leaves nothing to chance. And again, uh, he's detail-oriented, and sometimes you get bogged down in the weeds, and he is beatable. And if anybody can do it, I think that the way Lane Kiffin coaches, when he just maximizes mismatches, and he knows what Nick Saban is going to do. He knows what Kirby Smart's going to do in those situations because he coached beside him. So it's a third and seven, you know, and their side of the field, uh, he's like against a quarterback that's a dual threat. He's like, this is what Kirby likes to do, so this is how we're going to trick him. You know, this is how we're going to combat that. Kirby his, Kirby's rather conservative. Um, he knows he's got better players. He knows he just needs to play mistake-free. And if he does that, the, the numbers point to him winning. And it's proven out. He learned it from Saban. It's, uh, it doesn't need to be a lot of trickery or, uh, uh, you know, scheme change. It's like our schemes work, so we're going to do it. So that coaching-wise, they respect each other on the, uh, on the field. But then how they recruit and how they motivate their teams and how they interact with their teams, they recruit each other and they respect each other as well. Kirby was just, uh, he was defending Lane Kiffin yesterday. He's like, hey, 
all you people think he does crazy stuff, you know, that, that's no, he is a fundamental coach. He likes to beat you with fundamentals. He understands it. He's just also good at, you know, calling up plays to beat you. So, uh, immense respect from both of them. And, you know, we we're kind of hoping for some fireworks. We in the media were like, hey, throw it. come on, let's get some of those, uh, little jabs back and forth you know we always love that stuff uh, for the you know all of a sudden all that ad revenue comes in because you wrote a story about one of them but uh it's <laughs> you're not going to get that with them and no. you can tell who kirby likes and who he doesn't uh, there's no question I don't, I don't think he's a big shane beamer fan you not know? a big dan mullen fan either best i can no, 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 no he is not and again you there'll be a little slip there you know something in his uh the way he talks about when he was talking about eli drinkwitz nothing but absolute respect and he knew that that was gonna be a tough game and now when he's talking about Lane Kiffin, it is uh, nothing but respect because he knows Lane Kiffin's dangerous and he knows that he's really good. Great offensive mind versus great defensive mind. Who the hell knows how it's going to play out? So, you know, Georgia's big rivals typically, they have monumental rivalry with Alabama now, and that game appears to be looming in the, in the, in the near future and could be incredibly meaningful this, this time around. Uh, Tennessee, um, I guess Georgia Tech to a degree because it's there, but Georgia Tech yeah. hasn't been a threat in a while. These kids that are playing for Georgia now, when they were in high school, a lot of them, Ole Miss wasn't very good. It, it, Missouri wasn't very good. It was as how much of a challenge has it been for for Kirby and his staff, in your opinion, to get guys to understand that hey, Missouri's good, Ole Miss is really good, Ole Miss can beat you if you don't play well. I don't think it's been a challenge at all. I don't, I'm not saying that just to be flippant. It's just the way they approach it, and like you said, that coaching every day. Uh, he doesn't. He doesn't try to get up for a game. He, I mean, he tries to get his guys up, but he doesn't do the rah rah thing for each game because you, you can't do it twelve times. You can't do it fifteen times. Right. You can't come up with enough speeches. You can't come up with enough warnings. He has replaced that with a more methodical approach. Saying, "Look, you know, it's easy to look ahead, and maybe if we're facing a team that does something different, we'll put in a uh, period on how to stop a team that goes tempo." You know. Or uh, we need to work on the team we're facing this weekend doesn't have a running quarterback, but we need to get the scout team to give us some running quarterback looks. So let's go over and work on that. Um, he's basically tried to make each of these teams more faceless, if you will, more uh, uh, X's and O's. Let's not talk about the rivals. Let's not talk about the history. History doesn't matter. Georgia leads a series with Ole Miss. That doesn't give Georgia a first down. That doesn't give Georgia, uh, you know, uh, the, the ball starting on the 35. It, it gets you nothing. Anything that happened yesterday doesn't matter. So he's, he doesn't bring up the history and stuff like that. He doesn't try to bring in, you know, speakers who the, the last guy to face Ole Miss, you know. He does, he's not going to bring up the fact that in his first year, he went to Ole Miss and got his head kicked in. What, 31 nothing at the half? I mean, and I remember being down on the sideline with uh, uh, one of my writers. And I looked over and I'm like, man, their tight ends are gigantic. They're going to kill Georgia. And he looks at me and goes, those aren't tight ends, idiot. Those are wide receivers. <laughs> like, Holy crap. George was small. They were really small. Kirby mentioned his first press conference. He's like, yeah, we got to get bigger on both sides of the ball. He had met his uh, starting right guard, and he thought he was a fullback. This oh. was a small, he was a small Georgia team. And they lost a lot that first year. But then he got bigger, and he got you know, stronger. And his, Now they look like an Alabama team. Now they look like uh, Clemson did you know, a couple years ago. They, they, they're bigger than everybody. We, we knew that TCU game was going to be a blowout because when we did media days, I saw the starting defensive line. They looked like a high school team. And then I stood next to Georgia's starting offensive line. They're all six, seven or bigger. You know, it's like, you, it felt like giants. 
Yeah, of course they're going to mash him around. But my point is, Kirby's like, look, uh, we're not going to get into the, I'm not going to bring up the fact that we lost to them last time I faced them. You know, I need them focused on what happens when Judkin gets it on a toss into the boundary. I need to talk about stopping Trey Harris. You know, I need to talk about the fact that uh, they've got a running quarterback, which has been Georgia's kryptonite, always has been. Uh, I mean, most teams are susceptible to a running quarterback as well. But my point is that's uh, we've seen teams that don't normally have a running quarterback teach their guy to run a few quarterback draws before they face Georgia, and it's been very effective. Uh, Auburn did it. And then the fact that Auburn pulled uh, uh, their quarterback who was running and then didn't play him the rest of the way, I'm like, thanks. Uh, that's 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 very beneficial. <laughs> he just ran for a touchdown and you pulled him. Good job. Uh, you're free, but, baby. That's you. yeah. He's got to be the smartest guy in the room. He's got to show you. He's got to show you that he's got all. You got him on the ropes. Yeah. Got to show you. It's got to be about you. Right, and that's why when you mention Alabama, I've been telling people since the first week they're like, "Well, what, how do you think this season is going to play out?" I'm like, "Georgia's going to have a hard time facing uh, Milrow in the SEC championship game because he's going to run all over everybody." And they're like. Then he got benched, and everybody started coming after me, going, "See, you were an idiot." I'm like, "Hey, I get stuff wrong all the time." Now you saw what he did this past weekend—four touchdowns. Good lord! So, uh, yeah. but again, that's the Kirby's not going to—he doesn't do the whole this team, that team. Let's let's fight Tennessee. I hate those SOBs. It's all about uh, let you focus on your job. Let me deal with the press. Don't read all this outside stuff. And of course, everybody wants to do that, but again, he's effective at it. So that's why that's why it works. So you mentioned some of the things, so you kind of maybe completely answered the question, but you said earlier that you, you you think this is a real challenge for Georgia. You think this might be the oh, best yeah. team Georgia plays all season. What is it about this Ole Miss team that makes you feel that? Uh, well, a hey, running quarterback. I mean, that's just – that's Georgia's kryptonite. It has, it's, it's tough to stop them. Uh, so basically, let's say they want to try to double up uh, Trey Harris. You've got to do something to account for that guy. You can line up all over the place, he can gash you. Well, they run the ball really well. You got maybe the best running back in the SEC. They haven't been great. They haven't, they're not nearly as stout against the run as they used to be. Just don't have the guys. And your best uh, tackling inside linebackers out. He broke his uh, forearm last week, so that, that doesn't bode well. So let's say uh, you have a safety kind of you know coming up to stop the run. Well, you throw to Trey Harris. You have a safety try to you know shade over towards Trey Harris. Well, you can run on him. And then if you get both of those stopped, here goes uh, Jackson Dart taking off. You know, uh, Georgia last week ran a lot of uh, trying to stop Missouri and Luther Burden and all their great, you know, Theo Weiss. Uh, they go cover two, trail techniques. You know, the cornerback has his back to the line of scrimmage. And if uh, all of a sudden the quarterback takes off, I told people, you know, watch out for Cook. He, and some people were saying, oh, no, he, he's not a runner. He only averages 17 yards a game. By the end of the first half, he was the leading rusher on both sides because he just take off and run. So, uh, in other words, stopping this offense, George has not seen an offense like this that is multiple. Kirby likes to take away, just as Saban does, I'll I'm going to take away the run game. I'm going to take away the passing game, make you one-dimensional, and make you be successful at that. Well, you can't make Ole Miss one-dimensional. Or if you do make them one-dimensional, that other dimension will just gash the crap out of you. So uh, this is the best offense they've seen. Now, what works in Georgia's favor, I mean, you've got the 21 best offense, 21st best offense in the nation. But on the road, that drops to like 60-something. So it's not as good. It's tough to play on the road in the SEC. We all know that. Yep. So Georgia does have that advantage. But I don't know that it's – that's not a seven-point advantage. That's not a 
14 point advantage. That's a couple of points. Bam. Maybe that's a false start penalty. You know, maybe it's a, you know, when Georgia likes to shift or something like that, you get one or two of those and maybe that helps you get some, uh, get some behind the sticks, but you're playing facing the most explosive offense in the SEC. So it's uh, one of the best in the nation. And that's something they haven't done now defensively. Ole Miss better be ready to stop, you know, a ton of weapons. But if that's why you know, people say, well, what do you think is going to happen? I'm like, well, if Georgia doesn't turn the ball over, on paper, they should win. And to your uh, your analyst, he gave Georgia, what, a 60% chance of winning? Like 60 point something, almost 61%. Yeah. yeah. 60. I have a little method that I do against two evenly ranked teams. 59-60, something like that, or whatever. Yeah. To me, yeah, I have two evenly ranked teams. They get the same number of drives. To me, it's a 50-50 chance of winning. One block here, one tackle there. Have a turnover. To me, now it's 60-40. Because you take away one drive from one team and you add a drive to the other team. Couple turnovers, that's what determined the Missouri game. Georgia-Missouri going back and forth. All of a sudden, uh, Brady Cook throws two interceptions. That kills everything in their second half. And Georgia comes away with a nine-point win. So uh, if they don't turn the ball over twice, maybe that game's a lot tighter. Ole Miss comes in, they don't turn it over, but Georgia does, then they're walking out winners. But if uh, Ole Miss turns it over, or if Georgia doesn't turn it over, then uh, I like Georgia's chances. I know it sounds cliche to say it's a turnover battle, but <laughs> if you want to know what's going to happen, look at, I guarantee you the results favor the team of the turnovers. It's just, it's a fundamental law of football. I do a three times a week show with Tyler Siski. You're familiar with it. You were kind I enough like to uh, put it on your board a couple of times. I certainly appreciate it. We have Jeff Collins on most every Monday, the former Georgia tech coach, former temple coach, former Florida, Mississippi state yeah. defensive coordinator. Jeff says that, look, Brock Bowers when he's on the field is the best player on the field. He said, but in some ways, Brock Bowers not being on the field has forced Georgia to use more weapons, and that has made Georgia a better offense. He goes, I realize that sounds different. Nobody wants to lose their best player, but in some ways, it's forced Georgia to become more diverse offensively, which has made it more dangerous. Do you buy that? I do, absolutely. Uh, Georgia's got two fantastic transfer wide receivers. They brought in uh, Dominic Lovett from Missouri, who was – uh, Missouri's leading wide receiver last year, and they brought in Rod Rod Thomas from Mississippi State. You know, who was really good last year for Mississippi State. Maybe their top wide receiver. They get they're not having as many balls and touchdowns as they did last year. So they come to Georgia, and he's like, okay, well, you know, we're replacing some good wide receivers. Uh, you know, we're we're two of the best in the in the West in the East. Uh, we're going to Georgia to a guy that likes to throw the ball, to Mike Bobo. We're going to have some put up some crazy numbers. But then all of a sudden, your leading receiver each, each week is you know, this tight end, Brock Bowers. Uh, he's really good at what he does. And there's times where Georgia could have lost Auburn game if they didn't have him. But now without him, all of a sudden, they're going to – Dominic Lovett has a huge game. Lad McConkey, who's a preseason all-SEC wide receiver, you know, he's had a couple of his best games in the last two weeks. So uh, if you don't have – if you, I don't want to say Brock Bowers is a crutch. But it's easy to lean on when you got him out there just doing stuff that nobody else can do. So now all of a sudden you have to spread the ball out more. You have to run the ball a little bit more because you can't just go, you know, hey, worst case scenario. And we'll do a, we do a watch-along show. I do it with Jim Don, the former Georgia Bulldogs head coach. And we basically have a camera on us filming his reactions as we watch the game. You can watch it the same time you watch the Georgia Ole Miss game. Just put it on YouTube. We're there. You can have us on a phone or a laptop or uh, – iPad, and then watch the game on your television. Maybe pause your game about 10 seconds. And it's a running joke. We're like, okay, third and eight, throw it to 19. 
it doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize that if you're if you're having a hard time, throw it to Brock Bowers. Now, without him, you have to come up. You have to. Everyone has to execute more. It's really easy to go out there and go, well, I just throw it to Brock. Now it's like, what are we going to do to move the ball? Uh, Jeff's right, and I, I tease Jeff. I say screw him because we actually went to the same high school. We went to Rockdale County High School together. He was a couple years ahead of me, and uh, then he went to cover uh, Coach George Tech. And uh, I never really did get a chance to kind of give him grief about that. But uh, Jeff's a really good dude. We ran track together. So oh, how about uh, that? Yeah, he's a great guy. A lot of fun. He is a great guy. A lot of people like to give him crap because he coached the Tech, but uh, he's a, he's a good dude. Knows football. He really knows his stuff, and he's right. So, so when he says it makes them to be a better offense, no one wants to think that that happens, but it does make them all of a sudden Ra is getting more passes and Dominic Love is getting more passes and Dejon Edwards is running different routes. And, I mean, you see them do different stuff because he can't just go 12 personnel and give it to the uh, uh, best tight end in college football. All right, I'll, I'm just wrapping up here. I always hate when people ask me fan questions because I'm like, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm not a fan. I don't, I don't necessarily walk around town talking to fans all day, but I, I get why the questions are asked. Oh, man, I get it, man. It's okay. I'm going to ask you a fan question. Are the fans to the point now where they're complacent with this? Do they appreciate it? The fans aren't complacent because, again, they had that uh, – you know, 40 years. I mean, you have generations, two generations of not having championship, but being close, almost always being close, you know, like the, the best team to never win is kind of way it felt. Yeah. You know, you can do that for five years, do that for 10, 15, 20, 25. You know, you go to college uh, in the 90s and all of a sudden you've got a kid that's 17 years old and it's uh, 2020 and you just, you've not won anything. Your kid's like, why are we fans of this team? You know, <laughs> That doesn't make any sense. Dad, you were five years old when they won their last title. Why, you know, why do we keep putting up with this? So they're not. Now it's a little bit of a um, – they do appreciate the run they're on. The expectations are through the roof. So even close games, people are like, is, is this the end? I'm like, well, you know, slow down. <laughs> what we have noticed, though, is Kirby Smart actually taught the fans what to do. And that sounds stupid, but – if you go back to a few years ago when uh, Sam Pittman's in his first year at Arkansas, they go, what, uh, I think they won their first few games, or they were ranked number five in the country. College game day comes to Athens. They do the show from right beside the stadium. They actually fly a drone or a zipline or whatever from the set into the stadium for a 12 o'clock kickoff. The place is sideways. And because Kirby's been telling them all week, I need you to come out. I need you to be loud. Gates open two hours before the uh, kickoff. We need – at noon, we need it to be like a nighttime game. Maybe the last I've ever heard that stadium. Uh, a couple years ago, or last year when Tennessee comes to town, they jump offside. That hurry, fast-paced offense they have, that uh, tempo they run, they're jumping offsides, jumping offsides, jumping offsides, illegal procedure, legal procedure, legal procedure. And it, it ruined Tennessee's game plan. So he's got the fans as a weapon. San Francisco's always been loud, but we would have knockdown, dragout fights at UGASports.com between our older fans who were like, why is everyone standing up in front of me? You know, and the younger fans are like, stand up instead of sitting back, you know, having wine and cheese, you know, be loud, be a part of it. Nobody argues that anymore. They all get there. They're very loud. It is now a nightmare place to play. And I cannot say that about, I've been to every stadium in the SEC and most of the big stadiums have been doing it 30 something years, been everywhere. I would always tell fans, yeah, Georgia's a great place to play a game, but it's not, it's not Death Valley. Yeah. You know, it's not Neyland Stadium. I'm, I'm sorry. 
you know, oh, well, we're loud. you are loud, but you're not as loud as, you know, playing in front of Auburn. That's it, a zoo there. You know, have you been to Tuscaloosa? It's nuts. Kirby's got them that way now. Now, last week against Missouri, they weren't. It's crazy. And it was a tight game. But he's already done it. And he didn't, he didn't ask the fans to come out last week. He's asking them this week. He's talking about it being a night game. He's saying, we need the crowd in this. So Jackson Dart, you know, when he's uh, when his cadence, there's going to be a lot of nonverbal communication. And they're going to try to shift, and they're going to try to hide stuff, and they're going to try to get, uh, especially in the uh, eastern side of the end zone in front of all the students, it's going to be a zoo down there. You're not going to be able to hear. Uh, but, again, it's not. I've been doing it 30 years. It's not always been that way, even when it mattered. So the fans are now involved. But to your point, or like we were talking about earlier, they didn't get up for a Missouri. They, wouldn't, they didn't get up for UAB. You know, they didn't get up for some of the other teams they faced. They didn't get up for Ball State. They were excited because, hey, two-time national champs. Now they feel like they can affect the game. They, and everybody knew they could to some point, but Kirby's got them believing just like he has his team believing. So it's going to be an absolute wild place on Saturday. All right, last thing, how do you sort of see it playing out? Again, I, I hate to hedge, you know, sound like I'm hemming and hawing, but I really think it's going to come down to the turnovers. If there's no turnovers on either side, I can see Georgia winning by a field goal. Uh, four points, maybe. You know, uh, it could be a shootout. I don't think any of the, either of these defenses can stop the other one uh, very much. So uh, I could see 41-37, something wow. like that, you know. I just see a lot of points scored, you know. Uh, but, again, it's going to come down to turnovers. So I just I got, I'll call my shot now. And, again, it's easy to say, but I just really think that uh, the, the, in other words, the two offensive coordinators going head-to-head in this are too good to give either one an extra possession or two extra possessions. Yeah, it's, it's a good just, point. I mean, Ole Miss LSU played a shootout. It was 50, yeah. 55 to 49. I mean, insanity. But you look back on the game and you're like, where did it, where did it kind of turn? And it turned on an LSU turnover early that let, that let Ole Miss get up two scores and change the direction of the game. Ultimately, to LSU's credit, they came back and built a nine-point lead in the fourth mm-hmm. quarter. And then Ole Miss got a score and a stop and a score. And LSU came really close to winning it on the, on the last couple plays. But, yeah, the, it was the one turnover I, I, was the yeah. difference. I expect that. That's, that's really it. I mean, again, it's uh, people say, well, that's a cop-out. I'm like, no, I'm just telling you. I can't predict what the turnover is going to be. <laughs> so I, I, I can't. It's like when you, I mean, you and I have covered recruiting. People ask us all the time, where's this kid going? I'm like, well, the kid hasn't made up his mind yet. If you tell me the kid's had a decision, I can give you, and even if he hasn't told me, I give you a much better idea of where I think he's going to go. But if I know the kid's up in the air, then I'm supposed to predict where a kid is going to eventually decide to go? Come on. Yeah, it's, it's impossible. You yeah. don't know all the you don't know all the details yet. So yeah, I know where I wouldn't. I know like where he's likely to go, and I know who, where his mom's pushing him to go. You know, with like Miss Kimdichie. Yeah, you know, I knew. I, I told. I've told people early on. I'm like, yeah, Georgia's out of the uh, Robert Kimdichie sweepstakes. Yeah, it's not going to happen. She loves Coach Rick, but kids going to Ole Miss. Yeah. Oh, and I probably put on the board. Here's what Neil McCreary's reporting. He he was going. He was going where Denzel was. Period. Yeah, exactly. Again, a family mattered to those guys. Yeah. I will tell you a real quick story, a little brag thing. Remember, he had some issues right before the NFL Combine. And uh, everybody's up there for his big uh, interview. And that they have all these stages set up. And, you know, all these guys are being interviewed at the same time. But everybody knew where Robert was going to be at 
<laughs> everybody leaves those other ones that comes there and he answers all these questions about the hotel thing and jumping out a window or whatever it was and it's just brutal and he gets all this i mean it's just 14 minutes of just absolute hardball questions you know press just eating him alive he gets off the stage he's walking out and everyone's trying to get an exclusive with him and he walks past me i'm like hey been a long time since grayson and his just demeanor just changed he's like oh, he gives me this big bear hug in the middle of the place you know and uh uh, we start talking all times and all these national reporters are trying to like, well, what, you know, what, have you talked to the you know, New York Jets? You know, what, what about the, what the, what about the Seahawks? And all we're talking about is high school football from like four years ago. It was just a, it was an absolute riot. But again, point being, he remembered me, even though I didn't cover him in college, he remembered me from our rivals days back, you know, back, um, talking to him as a seventh, eighth, ninth grade or whatever. And it was that connection. He's like, oh, I remember you. You were with me early on. You knew me. I like you. I'm going to give you. And he's like, you call me anytime. I didn't have anything to ask him. I just want to say hi. So you do. He's going to go with his brother. You know, yeah. it makes sense. He's like, hey, family, people who were with me from the beginning, not when I got big and famous or who want to just wreck me over the cold. So uh, you bring it up, Robert, made me happy. I've, I've, I'd forgotten about that. It's a weird thing to say about a guy like that, but he was a sweet kid. It just, that you know he he didn't he loved football i don't think he loved football the way people wanted him to love football there were other things in his life and he wasn't a machine and then his brother gotten his brother had some issues and yeah. it didn't work yeah. out the way that everybody thought yeah. it would but, yeah. but there were some days when that guy was the best player on a field and and one of the best in the nation <laughs> Just, yeah, for sure. Hey, and then there was like, well, Denzel is Robert's brother. I'm like, Denzel's an all SEC guy. What the hell are y'all talking about? Yeah, he was good. And then he had, he, Denzel got hurt and yeah. they, they didn't get to play together. And Denzel, I think it, I, I, I think emotionally it just kind of wrecked him a little bit. And then, yeah. you know, the rest. It's just, it's all, everything's fragile sometimes. But uh, hey, as always, so much appreciation for what you do and giving us some time. And uh, I look forward to talking to you soon. Hey, can't wait. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperice.com. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Ben Mintz from Barstool Sports, kind enough to join us as he does each and every week here on the extra edition of the Oxford Exxon podcast as we get you ready for Ole Miss at Georgia Saturday night. Uh, ben, before we get into the the Rebels and the Bulldogs and all that's going on, I got to ask you because you're in Chicago, you got the uh, Barstool Invitational Wednesday. We take this on Wednesday late morning, Barstool Invitational going on, um, the Cubs, my Cubs. Probably not your Cubs yet. Maybe you'll become a Cubs fan when you stay up there. Uh, the Cubs fire David Ross. They hire Craig Council. There's a lot of Shohei Otani talk all of a sudden. Can I? Am I okay to get my hopes up here? Uh, am, yeah. Is it is it okay to get optimistic and to put my Cubs hat on and go? 
we're going to do this? What, what's going on? Well, I, I can't speak for the Cubs stuff as well because as far as my baseball loyalty goes, I'm waiting on Tim Elko to get up to the White Sox. After the year he had in low A, high, he ended up with, in double A, he ended up 28 homers, 106 RBIs. I think there's a chance he makes the White Sox next year. And so I think just off my relationship with him – and his dad, I think I just have to go with that for my And that's loyalty. okay. That's okay. You can cheer for the White Sox, too. That's fine. I, 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 no good. No, no problem. I'm just asking. You're in the city. There's a there, the, the council thing was big news there. It was a big splash. Is there an Otani buzz that's flying around yet? Yeah, I've heard a little bit about it at the Barstool office, but I guess maybe I'm kind of just in my own little bubble like I always am. So I, I don't know. I, I, I think it would be – I would certainly hope it happens. Uh, that would be a lot of fun to go to. You know, I'm looking forward to just going to Wrigley and enjoying everything. And you know, but I, I can't. I wish I could tell you. I mean, I've heard big cats people talking about the Barstool office, whatever that's worth. Yeah, we got to got to make it happen, man. Got it's just I've done my part. There's, there's a thing on Twitter. What you have to you have to make a pledge of what you'll do if I said that I will get a, a pinstripe, the gray road, the blue alternate. I pledge to buy a holiday alternate like 4th of July or Veterans Day or whatever. I'll do all that. I will wear them every single day of the whole season on the Oxford. Oh, wow. If they'll sign Shohei Otani. That's that's it. <laughs> Just sign Shohei Otani. I don't care what else you do. The rest of it will play. If you'll do that, I'll pledge to do my part right there. I love it. Fly, you'd be, sounds like you'll be flying a lot more W flags if they get him. Man, that'd be awesome. All right. Um, how's the city treating you? Okay. Bunch of stuff. Uh, we'll keep it condensed here, but – uh, had a crazy, I'll just share the story, you know, whatever. I mean, this is how I connect with Ole Miss fans. So I just tell, I always just come on here and tell y'all what's really going on. So I had like a crazy thing when I'm on my way to Chicago, not this last Friday, but the Friday before, like I had a place lined up for like six weeks in uh, West Loop that I was excited about. And I get a phone call when I'm at like two hours outside of Chicago, like you don't have this place, like right as I'm getting there. And so, okay. yeah. So, I mean, I'm kind of used to doing the scrambling and the wind thing. Like, I mean, I definitely do it better than most, but that threw my whole plans for like a loop. So last week I had to like go look at four or five places on Monday and, you know, had to go through the approval process and all that stuff. But so I ended up in, you know, I did the interview for Michigan last week. I ended up in Michigan for a few days because I didn't have a place in Chicago for that Halloween. But long story short, Neil, every time something bad happens to me in life, and I've had a lot of things happen to me, it ends up being a blessing somehow. It's the craziest thing. I think it's like a positive energy thing. I don't know. But like all year I've had a bunch of stuff happen, and it somehow ends up working out great. So I end up getting a way better place. Instead of getting a studio, I got a 30-second floor downtown skyline view that I posted on my Instagram and Twitter yeah. It's a full one bedroom. I'm, I'm, I'm in West Loop, like right on the edge of downtown. I'm like seven minutes from our office. Dude, it's spectacular. I'm like freaking out looking out my window because, you know, I was kind of living in a sketchy area at Shreveport like four years ago, you know? And uh, so it's awesome. Love my new spot. And then even better than that, I don't know what people have seen out of the new Barstool office. Big Cat did a video about it, but we got a new $20 million office we just opened. That's basically like a fun factory with a full basketball court and a golf simulator, and every show has their own studios and state of the art. And honestly, I thought we'd have like a hundred people here. We only have like fifty or sixty people here in this just like ridiculous office. And so it's uh, you know, it's just a spectacular time and it just feels like Big Cat, 
talked about this uh, last night, but he was like, look, this has been my dream for 10 years to get this fun factory office and get back to Chicago. And, you know, I'm going to be honest, I'm honored to be part of it with the career he's had and his reputation. I mean, when I got rehired, he basically like, he didn't beg me to come up here, but he kind of close to did. He was like, we need you in this office, you know, you, et cetera. And it's, it's, it's awesome. It's a lot of, you know, it's not, it, it's a lot of, I don't want to say it. It's it, basically Big Cat had to hand select you if you made it to the Chicago office. So I'm honored to be part of it. And it just feels like the thing I've been talking about lately in life, the second act thing, it's like a whole restart, new thing. And I mean, it's just every bit of it's positive. And uh, I'm just very grateful and excited about what's about to happen in the next two, two to three years, I would say. Uh, before we dive into football, uh, what's the latest with the brick watch? Okay, we're in the 30s. Uh, I got my brick watch on right now. I knew when we did this, I probably screwed up saying 50 with Dave because I think he'd have done 40. But, <laughs> look, the thing is, though, I knew we'd get to 20 or 25, like, no problem. But then the real slog is getting from 25 to 40. But once we get to 40, it's going to be over. And right now, I believe we're in the low 30s. I sold one yesterday. So anybody, you know, DM me on Twitter or Instagram. That's still Mitzi. Uh, once again, if you're interested, go to BrickWatchCompany.com. Uh, you don't have to use a promo code. If you, when you add your watch to checkout, it goes to 1919 bucks, and 1000 goes to the Grove Collective. No promo code. Dave's tracking it. He knows. Uh, but I think we're going to get there. You know, it might take some Christmas presents and, you know, obviously Lane Kiffin and the football team are certainly doing their part right now. Um, but anyway, just DM me with anything and I uh, appreciate everybody's support. And, you know, I think it's, all, I think it's going to happen. Though. Awesome. I'm excited for you. All right. Let's talk about uh, Ole Miss in Georgia in Athens. I think you're headed that way. Um, such an opportunity for Ole Miss in my, in my view, um, uh, I don't really think there's a lot to lose, assuming a win over ULM, assuming a win over Mississippi State. I don't think there's a lot to lose here. And people keep saying, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, look, Alabama, unless Alabama loses to Kentucky and Auburn and you beat Georgia, you're not going to Atlanta, so you're not playing for the SEC title. It is what it is. Um, even if you beat Georgia, you got to have a lot of help outside to get into the 14 playoff which I hate. I, I hate that. I hate that for everybody. I know why it's not 12 this year. <clears throat> I know. It, it should have been 12 years ago. But regardless, you know, I mean, realistically, I think the odds, the computer odds were 23% if Ole Miss won out, 23% that it would get into the playoff. That's not great odds. It's not impossible, but it's not great. So a loss isn't the end of the world. A loss and you go 10-2, and two, assuming again that you beat Mississippi State, that you beat ULM, and if you don't, win those two games something drastically happened bad 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 so you're 10 and 2 you're going to either the 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 uh, cotton bowl the peach bowl or the uh the orange bowl and if i had offered and i guess perhaps the fiesta bowl i'm not sure how that works out but an access bowl a new year's six bowl if i'd said before the season to a hundred old miss fans hey give or take here you go take it or take it or, or run your chances if i'd offered you this ben on September the 1st, if I'd said, okay, here's the, here's the deal. 10-2, and two, you get to beat LSU, you get to beat Mississippi State. 10-2, and two, and you're going to a New Year's Six Bowl, not a championship bowl, but a New Year's Six Bowl. You can take that, or you can see what's behind door number two. What would your answer have been? I'm jumping through the screen to get the 10-2. and two. There you go. Because when you, looked at, the, when you yeah. looked at, like, you know, realistically before the season, I said eight and four, but I said we'd be a lot better than we were last year, but the schedule was going to get us. Yeah. And, you know, things broke right. 
and I think a lot of it's a testament to what Lane's built in the program. The thing about these Lane teams, like the games Ole Miss is supposed to win, they find a way. And like old school Ole Miss would always lose a couple games they were supposed to win, but would be a feisty underdog. But you, you know, games like the Arkansas game, you know, look at the history of that series. Like those, you know, we just pull it out, pulling it out at Auburn. I mean, last week in a game we're all, you know, just finding a way to win, even when, and just that sense of belief too. Like the fan base has always kind of been beat down with Ole Miss, but even when AM scored to go up 35 31, I was at the Chicago watch party. I looked at everybody, I was like, whatever, we're going to get the ball, we're going to go down and score and win. And just, I feel like everybody feels that way now. There's just like a sense of belief that we're that the Rebels are going to just get it done, and that's something that you have to build in the culture. Drew Brees and Sean Payton built that in New Orleans too, yep. and it's a real thing, and uh, it's something Ole Miss hadn't had. It's like instead of like when you're in these close games, instead of being like, oh, how are we going to blow this? You're like mentally like, no, we're going to pull this out. And I think mm-hmm. that has a lot to do with Lane and uh, the whole culture. I do too. You know, I, I can already kind of hear people going, you said they'd go eight and four. And I'm like, I did. I picked eight and four. And I, in fact, I said – if you made me hedge a game one way or the other, I'd go seven and five. And at the end of the season, when I look up, I think if, if this thing goes ten and two, and we'll talk about the Georgia game in just a minute because I think you and I have different views on this. Um, at ten and two, I'm going to say, well, look at what happened. You, you played a basically a toss up game with Tulane. It was fourth quarter tied. You played definitely a toss up game with LSU. I mean, the ball's in the air on the last play of the game to to impact the game. You played. Not a toss-up, but a close game with Arkansas. They led early. In the, they led early in the fourth quarter. You played a uh, interesting game at Auburn. It wasn't a toss-up, but it was an interesting. But, game. but you went on the road and won in a spot that was dicey. And you sure. won a toss-up game against Texas A&M. I mean, look, you blocked a field goal that would have sent the game to overtime. That's that's a toss-up. No on doubt. The last, on the last play, of the game. you won all of those games. That doesn't happen very often, and it only happens. And here's the part that you can't predict before a season. This is why the sports are great. You can't predict in August or in July when we do a lot of this and you haven't seen a team. You can't go, this team has that special something. You don't know those things. You don't know those things in the preseason. Yeah, fans might go, oh, this team does. But you fans say it every year. So that doesn't count. No fans. I'm not criticizing fans. Fans go, Every year, our team's going to be awesome. My team's going to be awesome. We're going to win. No, no. Typically, you win half of your toss games, except when you're special. And this team, I'm starting to think, I've got this funny feeling about them. I'm like you. At 35 to 31, when A&M scored, I remember thinking, they're going to drive down the field. The only question I had was, how long will it take? How will they run all the clock off? Is are they going to make Jimbo burn the the timeouts? That's all I was thinking. There was never a part of me that was like, "Oh my God, they're going to lose today." I thought the whole day they were going to win, even when the block field goal, they're going to win. Uh, I just thought Ole Miss would win the game. And previous Ole Miss teams that I've covered, they would have wilted. They would have lost that game. They frankly, they would have would have been in trouble at Tulane. They 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 would have. LSU would have finished them off. They might would have lost one of those Arkansas Auburn games. We'd be talking about seven and five. This is a different team, and they've proven it. And it's why people push back sometimes at the why do you guys keep asking, is this team really good? It's that you're kind of missing the point with them. I think what that means is it's not, they're not, they're not some powerhouse football team. You don't watch them play and go, man, those guys. 
that is an elite team. No, they're a good team, but they're a good team that seems to play above their heads a little bit because they play with this sense of belief and and determination, and they're very mature, and they're older, and they're not easily uh, rattled. They just kind of do their thing, and they're calm. Lane's kind of calm. They follow his lead a little bit, and there's something about them that is an intangible that's unpredictable when you're doing win-loss-toss at the beginning of the season. Yeah, and I think the other thing about it is they can beat win multiple ways. You know, you win shootouts against A&M and LSU, and then you win defensive games against Arkansas and Auburn. And, you know, what Pete Golding's brought to the defense, I know they didn't have their best effort against A&M, but other than the A&M and LSU games, the defense has been awesome. And then in those games, you had Jackson Dart step up with the offense with Quinshawn and, and, you know, Trey Harris. And so it's you can win shootouts, you can win low-scoring games. Like, it, it doesn't have to – you can come from behind, you can play with the lead. They, they can beat you a lot of ways, and they're comfortable in a lot of situations. And then another thing with Lane, too, and you're going to – this is the key to this game for sure – Ole Miss jumps out to leads almost every week. I mean, like, the, the game script at the beginning, Ole Miss goes and scores on that opening drive, and they're up 7 nothing, 10 nothing. Heck, this A&M game, they would have been up 17-0 if they make that field goal. That whole game flipped on A&M's blocked field goal when they ran it back to make it 14-7. 100%. The key to, to transition into the Georgia game, Georgia started slow a bunch this year. I don't know if y'all have seen some games, but, you know, we saw Missouri – even Florida was up seven nothing before they smoked them. South Carolina you know, was up ten. Yeah, South Carolina was up at the half. It seems like Georgia's been starting slow, but then their second half, and Alabama's done this too. They make those adjustments at half, and then they come out and war machine you in the second half. So to me, the key to Ole Miss here is on the road Saturday night. Like you don't need to jump up seven nothing. You need to jump up like fourteen or twenty one nothing, and just put them on their heels, take the crowd out of it because Georgia has started slow and Ole Miss starts fast. And so I hope if Ole Miss wins the toss, they get the ball, they go down there, they score, they set the tone uh, because. The thing with Georgia is you know they're going to be – the second half is going to be incredibly tough. I told you I've just had this funny feeling about this game. Um, I've had it for weeks that like if Ole Miss got to 8-1, and one, that they'd go and play this loose, nothing to lose kind of game. And then on Monday, Lane Kiffin says, yeah, we're playing with house money. And I'm like, exactly, exactly. There's no point in putting this pressure on your team. Hey, we're just going to go play. And then I listen to players. I've been around these guys. And and I can tell that they're not intimidated. They're excited about the opportunity. They get to show on national TV against the best team in the country, the two-time defending champ, all of that stuff. I don't think the moment's going to be too big. I think for some teams, the moment gets big. I thought for Missouri in the second half, the moment got big. I don't sense that that's going to happen with this team. I just... I'm not saying Ole Miss is going to win. I'm picking Georgia to win. But I've got this funny feeling about the game. And and look, people get mad when I say this, but I think it's one of the reasons that I do a decent job on the beat. I'm not an emotional fan about this. I'm not – it doesn't matter. I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, I I hope for Ole Miss fans that that you guys get it. But it doesn't – I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. So there's – but I've just got this funny feeling from covering this team that Something that they that they're going to be in this thing. I, I I really do. I I don't think this is going to be one of those games where. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I don't think it's one of these games where Georgia shows up and goes, no, no, we're going to show the world. Here we go. We're going to win by 27. I I don't see that happening. 
Well, my thing with it is I'm obviously an Ole Miss fan and a homer, but, like, I analyze football from the gambling standpoint. So I just tell it like I see it. I mean, I didn't like us against Arkansas laying the points. I was worried about us at Auburn. I mean, I'm always going to just tell you what I really think. Uh, What concerns me about this, good that Brock Bowers is still out. What concerns me about this one is when you look at Georgia's season, they got super up twice this year for that Kentucky-CBS game. And they beat them 51-13, and then they had a bye week before Florida, and they massacred Florida. I think Ole Miss is a lot better than Kentucky and Florida. I don't think that's news to anyone. But I I don't know that Georgia – like, they got up for Florida. I think last week against Missouri, like, I know it was a 2-30 CBS game, but, like, maybe that wasn't their best effort. I think we're getting a huge Georgia effort here on Saturday night. I I don't think it's lame in a top-10 matchup. And so I feel like what concerns me is this is a spot where we're going to be running into, like – the full bore, not half sleep Georgia. But having said that, that doesn't mean Ole Miss can't compete. You know, when you look at Georgia this year, they're obviously number one in the country, but they're not as good as they were the last couple of years. And it's because Todd Monken and Bennett were way better than people ever gave him credit for. And Monken's now with the Ravens. I'm not a big Mike Bobo fan. I've criticized him a lot on here. I don't think he's a very good offensive coordinator. And, you know, Beck, a quarterback, I mean, he's pretty – I'm not saying he's not good, but he's just not elite – uh, the thing with Ole Miss is can the run defense hold up because uh, A&M ran it kind of pretty good on us. And, uh, you know, George is going to come out and try to pound it. But I think if Ole Miss jumps out early, like I think they could with, the, with how we tend to, how the Rebels tend to, I think it's going to be it could be a game under the fourth quarter. And that's all you can really uh, ask for, I think, in this situation. I just think – but I do think this. If they get down like 14 nothing to Georgia, we're huge trouble. It's all about – Jumping on them early with the crowd thing and the fact that Ole Miss has the fast starts and Georgia has the slow ones. So I honestly think if you like Ole Miss gambling here, instead of taking the plus 11 in the game, I hadn't seen a first half line yet. I would rather take plus six and a half or plus seven first half than the plus 11 in the game. Because even look at the Alabama game, Ole Miss was winning seven, six and a half. And I think when you look at Kirby Smart and Saban, you get these halftime adjustments and these second-half efforts are real problems. So if you like Ole Miss, I'm going to suggest maybe betting the first half instead of the game. And I just always remind people about this Alabama game. And it happened. Look at The way the schedule works, you don't get to use this as an excuse at the end of the year to position yourself for better placement. It's not football. I mean, you're going you're gonna to play teams at some point. You're going to play teams banged up. And sometimes you're going to play a team when you're banged up. It's part of the game. It is what it is. But they didn't have Trey Harris that day. He was there, but he wasn't really there. And Caden Priestcorn, it was his first game, and he was super rusty. Like he, there, there was rust falling off of him as the game went on. I mean, you could literally almost see rust. And without those two guys, they didn't have a passing game going. Quinshawn Judkins wasn't 100%. There was some – the offensive line wasn't particularly confident. They kind of got one-dimensional. You don't beat Alabama with a one-dimensional team. You just don't. And so – but. I don't throw that game away again. It was what it was. It was on the schedule. Alabama showed up. So did Ole Miss, and Alabama won the game. But I don't take a lot from it going forward to Georgia where you're going to have Trey Harris. You're going to have Caden Prescorn. Your offensive line is playing a lot better. It's a lot more confidence. Quinshawn Judkins is healthy and, and playing really well. Feels like you're at your best at this point as you get ready for Georgia, and I do think that's, that, that's to be noted. Yeah, and also just different football team in November than late September. I yeah. mean, that's the thing with football. You're evolving and changing all the time. And, uh, you know, that's what's interesting about Ole Miss is, like, historically pretty good early in the year and not peaking in November. But this year uh, it seems to be kind of the opposite. 
And look, they're confident. I think the biggest point you made, I texted with Kelvin Bolden yesterday, and he said the same thing. He's like, man, we got nothing to lose. We can't wait to just get the show out under the lights, let it fly. You know, like, there, there's no pressure. I mean, if we're going to a PCS Bowl, if we lose, it's just an ultimate free roll. And so I, it is, because I can't you get, wait. You get ULM next week, right? I mean, nothing against ULM. You and I both have strong. Of we have strong, I mean, we both have real strong Monroe ties. My, both of my parents went to Neville, and they both went to what yeah. is now ULM. And my uncle Alton played quarterback at UL. I love ULM. I mean, I do. I make fun of it all the time. I think this may be the end of the Terry Bowden era. I'm hearing possibly, probably so. But I had a great experience at ULM. It was a lot of fun. I made a lot of friends at Monroe. I, I, I played at Ruston. We we played West Monroe, Neville, Washita. Those were the teams we played all the time. You grew up in in that area. Oh yeah, I grew up going to all those games. I'm not. I'm not criticizing. But here's the great point. Here's the, here's, the, here's the great part for Ole Miss is that last year after that Alabama game, they had to go to Arkansas. And you had to play a good team, not a great team, but Arkansas was fine. And they played their game of the year and they punched you in the mouth right off the top and you just couldn't answer. Look, you're not going to get punched in the mouth by ULM. You're going to get a cakewalk. Even if, so even if you get beat and you're kind of licking your wounds a little bit, you don't play another real game for 12 days. So you get through ULM, you go beat Mississippi State, and you go to a big bowl, you recruit, and you build from there, and you get yeah, ready yeah. to go into a season with a 12-team playoff. It's different than last season where there was still meaningful football. That was tough games left. Yeah, and we're not dealing with the Lane Kiffin to Auburn stuff right now either. Exactly. You know, that, this, that really was a tough this deal. Is, this is free shot. This is a chance to show off on, on national TV and, and, and to also, hey, look, going into next season, it's an opportunity at a barometer. How far away are you from the elite? Lane always yeah, says there's a big – looking at – I mean, I'm not like the biggest recruiting junkie, but it's hard to not see all the top Mississippi players are heading Ole Miss. I mean, I, I think – you know, even seeing Braylon Burnside, the receiver decommitting from Mississippi State, and, you know, from Starkville High, he's been up visiting. You already got five of the top seven players. So, you know, it certainly seems like uh, things are – trending in the right direction in every way. And also just shout out, I mean, I'm part of the Grove Collective stuff, the Brick Watch stuff. I think our NIL crew is batting so far above our weight. I mean, we're going toe-to-toe with LSU and Auburn and getting people, you know, and uh, I think that Walker Jones and everybody's been really creative. Tyler, shout out to Tyler Jordan at Realtree. You know, I think everybody's, like, being very open-minded and creative and Lane's super creative about it. And I think we're, you know, going toe-to-toe with – fan bases that have way more money and way bigger uh, because of it. So I think that's part of it, too. Let's touch on some other games. Get your thoughts on gambling things. Uh, The other big national game besides Ole Miss at Georgia is Michigan at Penn State. Michigan's a a four-and-a-half-point favorite uh, at Penn State. What what are your thoughts there? I just just can't trust James Franklin in these big games. Uh, If this game was at Michigan, I think I'd take Michigan. You know how I am on the road favorite thing. It's just not my thing. So I'm probably staying away. I, the over-under is low at 45-and-a-half, but I could see it being lower scoring. Penn State's offense, uh, their receiving core is really bad. I asked some Penn State people, like, is Drew Aller good or not? And they're like, look, he's not bad. His, his receiving core is just really, really bad. No one's on the same page. But I do think Penn State has a good defense. I mean, look at that Ohio State-Penn State game. It was like 20-6. to six. So I expect Penn State's defense to fight super hard at home. I don't know if Penn State can score enough points. So if I take anything, I'm taking the under small. But the problem is 45 and a half. I mean, you're not dealing with like a very big number. Uh, Alabama goes to Kentucky. Alabama, a 10 and a half point favorite in Lexington. Any thoughts? I actually have a strong play on this. It's over unders. I think I saw 48 and a half. Maybe it's 47 and a half now. 48. Uh, Oh, it's 48 and a half. That's what I'm saying. This 
reeks to me of Bama having the big LSU win, and now you got an 11 a.m. road game against a Kentucky team. Look, I don't think Kentucky has enough offense to win this game, but they're going to play hard as hell on defense. And this being an 11 a.m. game, you know, kind of I could see a slower start from Bama. Like, I think Bama wins this game like 24 to 10. You know, something 24-13, you know, maybe Kentucky hangs in the first half, but uh, I'm looking at the under 48-and-a-half because okay. I think the under sets up really good off the 42-28 Bama shootout where everybody saw Milrow go nuts, but that's an indictment. That's a whole nother rant entirely. I, I don't know how Matt House didn't put Harold Perkins to spot on Milrow last week when he was running all over him. I mean, I was like anybody that was watching that game from their couch knew he should. But regardless of that, I like the under in Bama, Kentucky. I think Bama gets out of there with kind of like one of those 24-10, like lazy, 11 a.m. sluggish games, and they get on with their lives. There's not a ton on the slate here that's super interesting. I mean, you got Georgia Tech plus 14 at Clemson, Texas. I like Georgia Tech there. Tech's been fighting. And, uh, yeah. you know, you kind of mentioned it. Ole Miss, I mean, winning at Tulane and beating Georgia Tech at home, like – Tech's been playing good. They beat North Carolina. They beat one at Miami on that crazy ending. Haynes King kind of seems like a winner. Uh, they're getting 14, 14 and a half. I expect that to be a game into the fourth quarter. Tech historically fights against Clemson. I mean, it's a long shot money line at plus 450, but I like the points and maybe the money line small. Just Tech is fighting really, really hard. And, you know, Clemson, I was on them last week against Notre Dame in a bounce back spot, but I don't think that necessarily is like Clemson's back. I just thought that game set up really good for them to have a bounce back win. And, you know, I think the thing with football gambling that I hope people are seeing is it's a week to week thing. Every week's different situations, different setups. You know, don't overrate what you saw last week because I think that's a big fallacy people make. Uh, I kind of like Kansas minus the three and a half at home against Texas Tech. Texas Tech's one of those teams at home. They're one thing on the road. They're different. And Kansas is sort of the same way. Okay. Yeah, 10 minutes. Fine. I'll be done in the next 10 minutes. All right. Uh, the Kansas-Texas Tech thing, I thought the line should be seven because Texas Tech has really struggled on the road. They lost to BYU. They hadn't won a road game this year, I don't think. They lost to Wyoming to start the year. But what's interesting to me is Kansas – I was wrong last week. I was on Iowa State. It just seems like the power ranking on them for Vegas is low because I guess their recruiting's bad. But Lance Leipold is just, I mean, it's, I mean just it's terrific. Dude, I mean, what do you do, Les Miles? What do you inherited Kansas after the Les Miles thing? I mean, they were like no wins. I mean, uh, but I like Kansas in that game. I mean, I, I just, you know, I, I really do. I, I'm on them. I mean, I think they should win by two touchdowns. All right, not going to keep you a lot longer because we're only going to run through. Okay, the- well, yeah, we'll sprint through it. We'll sprint through all this. Tennessee uh, minus one and a half at Missouri. Missouri or nothing. Missouri's got a weird home field advantage, but people always hate on me, uh, Tennessee fans, because it seems like I bet against them every week. The Arkansas line's down to two and a half at home against Auburn in a game that I think is really important for Sam Pittman. I can't figure that one out. I do like that Arkansas got rid of Dan Enos because he stunk, and you saw the offense look better. But Auburn kind of quietly five and four, you know, looked good against Mississippi State and Vandy. They might be closing strong toward a bowl game. So I don't have an opinion. Uh, Florida is a 14-point dog at LSU. That one I do. So, LSU just had the Bama thing. You just talked about it with Ole Miss. I mean, LSU, you know, all their preseason hopes are gone now. LSU-Florida is usually a really wonky, weird rivalry game. I think 14 is a lot. Uh, Jaden Daniels, concussion protocol, you know, I think he's going to play. But if he doesn't play, I I like Florida. I know Florida's not that good with Nate, but this is still Napier. I mean, he's trying to fight for his job. He wanted the LSU job from ULL. This just feels like a game where, I don't know, I wouldn't take LSU. Mississippi State getting 19 on the road at Texas A&M. Speaking of quarterback issues, nobody really knows what's going to happen at A&M with their quarterback play. 
I wonder how long are I mean, I don't know what's going on with the A&M thing, but A&M, Mississippi State, I mean, uh, they can't score. You know, it's really bad. Three points against Kentucky. I'm hearing all kinds of stuff. I mean, I know Arnett's not going to be coaching next year. I wonder if he's even going to be coaching the Egg Bowl at this point from some of the stuff I've been hearing behind the scenes. Heard that, um, that rumor. Yeah, I've been hearing some. I've been hearing some some rumors about the Mississippi State situation. Uh, so it's just weird. I don't want to lay nineteen when the over under is only forty three. The margin for error is too small, so I'm, I'm staying away from it. Am I crazy to like Oregon minus fifteen against Southern Cal? I think Oregon's. I love Oregon. I love points. Oregon. I think it's going to be a bloodbath. They just. I think USC just had their their Waterloo at home against Washington. That was everything they had. They fired Alex Grinch. Maybe they play harder for a new defensive coordinator, but I don't know that they can learn how to tackle in a week. I don't know that they can learn how to not blow coverages. They're always out of position. They're, it's 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 embarrassing. And you got to think on the Oregon side of it. They're trying to make the playoffs with one loss. USC is a national brand. This is Caleb Williams against Knicks. Knicks trying to win the Heisman. If they can run it up here, they're going to run it up. They're going to try to beat them. You know, Notre Dame beat USC 48-20 to 20 at home. I think you're looking at a similar situation here. I think it gets bloody. All right, we're going to roll through the NFL fast because there's not a lot. Okay, one other college one. Okay. Uh, Central Florida plus two and a half against Oklahoma State. Rat line of the year. Oklahoma State just won their Super Bowl in Bedlam in the final Bedlam rivalry game. Now they got to go to Central Florida, who's kind of struggled. It's only two and a half. I smell something really weird, and I like Central Florida in that game. All okay. right, NFL. All right, interesting. All right, Colts at the Patriots. Colts laying a point and a half. Uh, this is in London. Colts are nothing just because they hate the Pats, but I don't have much. Okay. Interesting game here. Texans off that big win. Uh, they, they go to Cincinnati this week. The Bengals are playing really well. Uh, Cincinnati laying seven. I, I do like what C.J. Stroud's doing. Don't get me wrong, but I ain't going against what I'm seeing out of Cincinnati right now, period. Okay. I mean, they're, they're on one. Burrow's uh, playing great. Rivalry game, the Browns go to Baltimore. Uh, Browns getting six. I like Cleveland plus six here. I think you just mentioned it with the rivalry game. You got a 37 over under. I think you got one of those low scoring AFC North slugfests, and six is a lot of points uh, in what I think is a 2017 or 16 13 type game. So give me the dog. All right. Probably the most interesting game of the week. The uh, Niners go to Jacksonville. Uh, the Niners, a three point favorite on the road in Jacksonville. This one is both are off buys. The Niners had all those injuries in Cleveland three weeks ago, and like, you know, now they're getting Debo, and I think Trent Williams is coming back, so they should be healthier. You know, they had the bye week to regroup, but Jacksonville's hot. I mean, I'm giving you a long speech about how I have no idea in this football game. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I do have one. I think you skipped Green Bay-Pittsburgh. I want to comment on that real quick. No, I'm getting to it. I'm getting to okay, it. Cool. Okay, cool. Uh, Saints at the Vikings. The Saints laying two and a half on the road against Josh Dobbs and the Vikings. What a comeback, baby. I will say this. My Taylor Heineke over theory last week, which I was preaching all year, 31-28 final, went over by 22 points. Uh, I, I just want to – anyway, that was one of my – that was literally – I've been talking about that since week one. Uh, I hate the two-and-a-half-point road favorite. It's a rat line. Uh, maybe leaned over just because the Saints are kind of playing better on offense right now. And the Vikings secondary absolutely stinks. So maybe I go over. Okay. Uh, Packers plus three at Pittsburgh. All right, we got a new system. If Jordan loves playing quarterback, we're betting under. That's the system. Period. Unders are seven and one or eight and one. He has one over so far. This thing's 38 and a half. The over under should be 33 or 34 in this game with the way these two offenses looked. I mean, I you know, you never know. I mean, turnovers and stuff, crazy stuff could happen. But if the turnovers don't get out of control, you're looking at like a 16-10 Steelers win here. Okay. I like the under a lot. Uh, Titans go to uh, Tampa. The Titans, uh, what a dog of the game. Titans getting a point on the road. I got enough next. Uh, Col- the, uh, the Lions head to uh, L.A. 
Lions laying two and a half in Los Angeles. I like the over here. I think this game could get a little wild in LA. Uh, I, I could just kind of just it's forty eight and a half. I just kind of, yeah. I kind of, especially the Chargers coming off that lower scoring Monday night game. I just kind of, I, I don't know why. I just feel like this is like there's always like a sneaky NFL game that can get wild. I think. And here's the other thing: like road dogs applied, but not when you play the Chargers in LA. They they they, they don't have a no, they, LA, they don't have Yeah. Uh, I kind of like Detroit there. The Falcons uh, laying a point and a half at Arizona. Well, I told you this Heineke over theory. Notice it went from 37 to 42 and a half off last week. So yeah. it's hard to be ahead of the books on stuff. Like, that's why I take pride in this. But if, I think Kyler Murray's going to start this week. And if Kyler Murray goes, we're banging this over again. Kyler Murray against Heineke. This one could get wild too. But uh, I think Murray's going to go. You know, but if, if Kyler Murray does go, because we're taping this early in the week, I'm, I'm going over big. Uh, the Giants, a 16-point dog. You don't see this in the NFL, a 16-point dog at Dallas. Tyrod Taylor, you know, Jones towards ACL. Look, they, they lost 14-9 to at Buffalo as like a 17-point dog a couple weeks ago. I, I just – I'm not laying 16 in pro football, so I'm, I'm Giants or nothing. Okay. Commanders uh, getting six at uh, Seattle. That's interesting. No, I, no, no idea on this one. Next. Okay. Uh, Jets go to the Raiders. The Raiders played really well last week with the interim coach. Jets uh, laying a point. I like the Raiders here. Uh, I just think, the, like you said, the Raiders hated Josh McDaniels. Now they're playing hard. I don't trust Zach Wilson on the road. Can't believe this is a Sunday night game, though. Ridiculous. And the Monday night game's a dog, too. Uh, Denver goes to Buffalo. The Broncos getting seven and a half. Buffalo keeps playing bad, but at some point they got to beat the crap out of some bad team because they usually do that at home, and Denver seems like an ideal candidate for that. All right, last thing. We started with Ole Miss. We'll finish with Ole Miss. You're, um, you're just, you're kind of, you're, how you, in your gut, how does it play out? Uh, in my gut, how it plays out, I think Ole Miss does get up early because the Georgia slow start thing. And I think that is going to keep Ole Miss in the game to the fourth. And I think it's a game into the fourth that Ole Miss could win. But I'm, I'm going to say, I'm, I'm going to say like Georgia comes back in the second half and nips us. But, uh, but Ole Miss fights real hard. I'll say like 31 24 Georgia, something like that. All right. Hey, I know you're busy. Appreciate your time so much. Enjoy your time in Chicago. Enjoy the trip. Oh, I will. I'm telling y'all. Y'all, everybody that's been following this since I got hired, I mean, we've built to here. Everything right now is the most positive. I, I, I can't – I'm just very grateful for the support. But great. This is about to be – this is about to be – there have been a lot of good eras. This is about to be the best one. I'm happy for you, my man. Talk to you next week. All right. Thanks, Neil. That does it for this Extra edition of the Oxford Exxon podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Thought it was uh, three great guests joins. Thanks to all of them. Mike Griffith, Roddy Nabulsi, Ben Mintz, as always. Really appreciate those guys giving us time here at MPW Digital. We'll have this up in podcast form on uh, Friday morning. If you're making the trip over to Athens, this can entertain you part of the way. Uh, lots of podcasts your way. Please uh, hit the like button on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button on YouTube. Doesn't cost you a thing. If you are listening on Spotify, on iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, whatever the case may be, subscribe, the like button, leave a five-star comment. Even if you say something horrible, hit five-star. We'll, we love that. It'll do us a lot of uh, do us a lot of favors. Also, uh, if you're listening and you need something else to listen to, recommend Pete's Pigskin Preview. Watch that on YouTube. Listen to it on podcast form. We'll get you ready for Georgia and Ole Miss, some hardcore football the opposite of that, have a little lighthearted football. Um, you can listen to The Butcher versus The Dance Instructor presented by LB's Meat Market. That show uh, up in podcast form as well on Friday. 
So you can uh, get the weekly picks from uh, Greg Jones of LB's Meat Market, Caroline McCready, uh, my daughter, who's a dance instructor in uh, Northwest Arkansas, in addition to her being a student. So fun show. They pick uh, they pick games each week, so they have a good time. We have a good time with that. That's available for you as well, as is our Thursday visit with Jeffrey Wright on the Oxford Exxon podcast and uh, much more. And again, on Saturday, we'll have a post-game show brought to you by Dead Soxy. That'll be on YouTube live, and then we'll put it up in podcast form immediately thereafter. And then uh, next week, we'll be back with another full week of podcast here on MPW Digital and uh, coverage at rebelgrove.com. So have a great weekend. Thanks for being a loyal listener, a loyal viewer. We certainly appreciate it. I hope all of you drive safely and look forward to seeing you next time. Until then, good night. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 